If you get nervous, don't picture me naked. Good day, eh? Good day, eh? Good day, and welcome to another Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between, with a heavy focus on talent in the great white north. Hosehead's talking about Canada there, eh? And uh, today we've got a very special guest on the podcast. We've got Joey Plant. He's a part-time bladesmith who's been at it for about four years now. He's working out of uh, just uh, the Belleville area, we'll say. And uh, I had the good fortune to meet Joey at my uh, trip to Clown College. And uh, I've gotten to know him a little bit. And he's got some really cool and interesting stuff that he's got going on. Uh, But before we get into that, Lando, how you doing, buddy? (laughs) How's she going, eh? Oh, you know, she's doing good there, buddy. Uh, When you say Belleville, that's Ontario, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, kind of central eastern Ontario. Okay, cool. So you guys are kind of close to each other then, Nick? Yeah, relatively. I'm going to drag him up to my shop here at some point. That's That was yeah, going to be my next question. Sorry. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to try and uh, make my way up to, to see Nick's shop and kind of feed off him a little bit because uh, he's a, a bit more multi-dimensional than I am. Multi-dimensional as in like six foot, as two, in, 300 pounds. Yeah, that on. I have a much greater radius. Absolutely. In a lot of different ways. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, Well, nice to have you back uh, on the show again, again there today, Nick. It's a pleasure to, you know, to have you you here with us again, man. It was. a long, long-awaited wait. Is, am I saying this all right? I feel like I'm like stumbling on my words right now. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. I need to drink this beer. I think. Oh, jeez. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing all right. I've been uh, working on some little personal projects and stuff. Just sort of getting myself back up to speed. Still working in the shop. Uh, one thing is that uh, that Joey fella there. He got me into doing some leather work while we were hanging out together, and. Uh, I decided to make myself a pair of uh, what are called turn shoes or what I've been calling medieval authentic boots. Uh, basically, yeah. you know, tried making a pair of shoes and right they're almost done and they're actually looking pretty cool. Oh, you don't have them with you right now, do you? Uh, they're in my truck. I don't really oh, want to run over there again. No, for sure. He, I'd, I'd he sent me them. a picture. Yeah, he sent me a picture today and they look like wicked. Yeah, they definitely. Hey, buddy. Yeah, they definitely don't look like. Okay. Yeah. They definitely look like. Like uh, your first leather project. <laughs> if you look that... at them closely, you can kind of see some little uh, oopsies in there. But uh, I think they turned. They, they're going to be perfectly functional. Oh, for sure. It was that was a it was a big endeavor for your first thing. Most people yeah, start off with of, keychains. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was maybe uh, diving it a bit deep, but it seems to have worked out. That's it, how she it, liked it. It took about a quarter of a cow because of the size of his feet, 
but <laughs> got done. Well, oh, you know what shit. they say about big feet. Right. Big shoes. <laughs> oh shit. What did you use for a sole, buddy? It's just some really thick, heavy uh like veg tan leather. I think it was like eleven eleven ounce, I think. Yeah, eleven, twelve ounce sort of yeah. thickness. So pretty heavy stuff. Like you know, thicker than you'd normally use for a belt. Oh yeah, okay. That question comes straight from my friend Lucifer. Huh? <laughs> what the fuck? What'd you use for a soul? Oh, what did I use for a soul? Oh, Lando, you're either on fire or terrible tonight, and I don't know which. <laughs> terrible is my freaking the guy that I hired to cut my freaking lawn to do my lawn. He just wasn't cutting it. He just wasn't cutting it. (laughs) Sorry, Joey. I don't have my kazoo with me. (laughs) Get the bad dad jokes out now while we have a chance. Yeah, I thought you carried that everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, no, I haven't been carrying it since I got back here. I haven't had a lanyard around my neck the whole time. Did you carry that around all the place in in clown college, buddy? It oh yeah, like- man! I had the kazoo with me like twenty four seven. It was just whip it out at opportune moments. Yeah, it happened like every day, at least a couple times a day. Oh, dude! Yeah. Oh, I'm drawing such it a was, bad picture in my head of you. It was a careful balance to make sure that I did not overuse the kazoo because that could get really annoying really fast. Yeah, you didn't happen I to have a little one, moments. one of the little hats with the spinny thing on the top face. Oh yeah, the- Edie with yeah. a with a little propeller on top. Yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of the vibe I was going for while I was there. That's a vibe you give off, bud. thanks i feel personally attacked that was love that was love what are you talking about that uh, that was all inside joke for joey yeah that was also his slogan in there at least (laughs) once a class he felt personally attacked yep i don't know it's just it's me i can't take anything a hundred percent seriously not with that attitude Oh man! You know, I I I do my best to try to keep things focused and stuff, but every once in a while, the giant goofball comes out. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, one hundred, dude. I'm glad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that's what you've been up to this week is making some shoes, hey? Yeah, man. Yeah. In a nutshell. I'd- yeah, doing stuff like that, just working on little pro- personal projects and uh, getting myself set up for like next week is kind of the start of like trying to do actual projects again. Cool. You know, right start on. getting some stuff out there that people have been asking for. Yeah. I, I'm a little bit behind on a couple of those, unfortunately. Yeah, I Almost. can. I could second that. Yeah. I'm I'm constantly trying to catch up. Yeah. What have you been working on lately, Joey? Um I'm making a I'm making a few scanners to go up to Northwest Territories uh for some guys' retirement gifts. Um Beauty. and I was making really good progress until I blew the VFD out of my grinder. 
So that kind of halted me. Uh, I'm going to sort that out tomorrow. And then uh, I'm actually um, through, through my uh, old line of work, I'm making uh, a concealed carry, uh, like a little fighting knife for uh, uh, a guy in, uh, in the FBI. Um, Something he can conceal in his pocket, which is, which is, it's a cool little project for me to do. Uh, nice little knife. And uh, it gets me doing a bit more Kydex work because uh, that's something I, I could definitely do a bit more of. And then uh, I'm hoping, uh, I leave for Alberta in a couple weeks on a hunting trip, and I'm hoping to forge myself a, a big chopper. Um, if I can Before catch, you go? Yeah, if, if, I, if I can catch up to enough. Take along uh, with you. Yes, a hundred percent. Because uh, I try, I try and make a knife and bring it every time I I go out on a big hunting trip, just to be able to uh, like really put it through through the ropes. I feel like it's uh, probably one of the best ways I could test my own product. For sure. Yeah. Now this is actually something I really wanted to talk to you about. I think it's something that's going to be great for the podcast listeners. You really put your knives through the ringer. You're pretty yes. heavy into doing product testing, huh? Uh, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I like I still do it to the majority of knives, but if I if I'm going to send out specifically like a bushcraft knife or some sort of general uh, like utility hunting knife, um, it, it gets like a good ten uh, batons into a deer antler. Um, before I'll even think about sending it out or, or it'll, it'll get chopped through like a piece of, uh, ironwood or hardwood or whatever. Um, because like when I started off, I, like I was like most other guys, I just had a forge, an anvil and a pretty basic grinder. And, uh, it was, I started doing it as a way for me just to tell what my heat treat was like. And I just kind of kept doing it. And I feel like, uh, a lot of a lot of the guys that made knives for really appreciated it. Like you sent them a video of the knife that they're buying going into something like that. And oh, for uh, sure, dude. Yeah, I never thought of that before. That's a wicked idea. Spe- especially like, yeah, especially it's like survivalists and like bushcraft guys. Like, uh, I think it gives them kind of a warm and fuzzy before they get the knives <laughs> in their hands. For sure. No, that's yeah, brilliant. Really rigorously tested. Do you send yeah. it to them before they receive the knife then? Yeah, yeah, I will. Um, oh, that's awesome, dude. Like kind of amps them up to get the knife yeah. in their hands. That's brilliant. Sure. Smart, and dude. I definitely am not promoting uh, receiving a custom-made knife and uh, finding a deer antler and batoning it, but uh, it definitely gives me the warm and fuzz that I'm doing things right, and, and it's kind of cool for them. Because uh, like looking back, I've only ever bought – one custom knife in the past uh from a bladesmith in the states and 100 percent, what sold me on buying his knife was he put a video out of him batoning through an elk antler and then cutting a tomato and i was just like especially with a military background and having used quite a few different knives i was like 
I know. <laughs> Especially quite a few shitty knives. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I've I've broken a considerable amount of knives and I was like, I need I need what that guy is selling. Um and then I kinda always stuck with me and then once I started making them I, I started doing the same thing. And then uh like on one of my last hunts I brought up uh kind of like it's kind of like a, a knife something in between a skinner and a boning knife like a pretty slender kind of long uh super fine point on it um i brought it to just put through the ringer and we ended up uh processing two white tails and uh an elk with it and uh, it was like a it was a phenomenal test for it um because like if if anybody's a hunter they know that uh that's not easy on a knife for sure especially not something the size of an elk right yeah it's yeah. a big animal yeah so yeah. when you when you go to alberta for the for these hunts are you going to a place that has like a, a guided hunt or something or you got a group of friends uh, out there that you go with or how does I, that work i actually have been helping out in uh in the guiding role so like i go out there as a as a guide, and I'll tend to uh, kind of stick around and and do a hunt of my own uh, on the tail end of it. Oh, that's rad! Do you work with? Yeah, I may not have mentioned, or? but Joey is in fact the manliest man who ever manned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not worth what you wanting to hug him all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um, uh, yeah, I uh, a buddy of mine out there. Uh, he runs. Uh, it's it's huntbackcountry.com. And he runs a lot of like real, uh, real hardcore type of hunts, like 10 days out of a backpack, uh, awesome, up, dude. up in the Rockies. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And like, again, like back to the knife thing, like when you're doing 10 days out of a backpack, like you're really limited to, to one knife to kind of do everything and you're using it a lot. Um, so I, I kind of found like a good way to kind of blend the two, the two different uh, hobbies of mine. Yeah, um, sure. And be able to, to kind of see what works and what doesn't. And uh, I find it, I find it's really helped me. And uh, if somebody asks me for kind of like a dealer's choice hunting knife, um, I've been able to, to through like question them what they hunt, what they plan on doing with it. Uh, like a really narrowed down, like blade shapes, like thicknesses, like sizes, stuff like that. Fuck that! That is awesome, dude. This—that's the type of shit you, you want when you're going to buy a knife. Somebody that knows, like that's that's good, good information to get from somebody when you're buying a knife, a hunting knife. Obviously, are you making uh, mainly hunting knives? Or are you into the chef knives as well? Uh, or where do you stand on that? I've done. I have done. Uh... A decent amount of I, I definitely do more uh, hunting or bushcraft style knives, um, or like EDCs, like everyday carry and knives, yeah. like some nice small ones to bump people's hips. But uh, um, I have done some chef knives. I've done some chef knives for some chefs, and that was uh, um, obviously like a good learning. Uh, it was it was good for me to learn because like. Like if somebody knows a good knife, it's going to be a chef. So it definitely put uh, put the pressure on me to 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 make like a, a nice balanced uh, 
knife and and i i leaned on them quite a bit on like what they were after for a knife so there you um go. there you go yeah for sure absolutely it's like the same thing as having yourself being such an avid outdoorsman and hunter knowing what needs to go into the knife going to somebody like a chef is going they're going to be able to tell you exactly what needs to go into that knife yeah and, and not like and and not only like w- back to like uh kind of testing them on hunts but not only am i like learning like what works what doesn't as far as shape and size and everything it's like i make uh like all carbon steel knives like uh and uh even just like care for the knife because like i'm going up where i've been hit with blizzards i've been hit with like multi-day like rainstorms and like uh i kind of learn like uh a lot about just taking care of a carbon steel knife in a super wet environment and it's something that like i've been able to to give some tips and tricks when i when i send a knife out to somebody on just like how to stop your knife from from rusting or or uh what to do if it does get wet what kind of uh kind of tricks or tips do you have for that kind of stuff for me i found if if it was like a knife i'm gonna do um some processing with of like meat and stuff like beeswax like i absolutely love beeswax because it's it sticks to the blade it's food safe um you, if the blade gets water on it you can like just see it beat off um Dude. uh you 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 should get you have, have does he know about the twiller i don't know if he does you, i don't think so okay do no. okay the twiller linseed.com this yeah. guy's out of Saskatchewan. This is Dawson DeTwiller. He's running a, a company called the Twiller Linseed. And him and his brother, they farm their own flax. They press the That's seeds cool. themselves. And their fla- the flaxseed, the uh, linseed oil that they're making is food safe because they're not putting on any additives in it. So yeah. they also have a product that they've mixed beeswax in uh, to the right ratio that it's awesome for wood handles and all that kind of jazz and spicing up your metal i love using it for my hot metal because of the added instead of just uh, linseed oil linseed oil on hot metal tends to dry a little bit gummy with the the beeswax i find that it dries a little bit smoother it doesn't get as uh, the maybe gummy is not the right word for it It gets it's like a thicker thickerness to it thickness to it with just yeah it's kind of got a bit of tack to it yeah, I was going to say tacky. Maybe that's, yeah. Um, it almost gets like a shell. It hardens more like a shell, I find, the linseed oil. hardens like a shell versus with the beeswax, I find it just, I don't know, it's it's smoother. It permeates it smoother. and it really makes for a nice smooth finish. Yeah. I, yeah. I could I could see that. And and I've used kind of similar products, I guess, for for like wooden handles, like stabilized wood handles and stuff. But uh I could definitely see in the right ratio it being a lot easier to use because the beeswax you kind of got if it's cold out you got to really like kind of find a way to warm that up. Yep. Like typically, if we have a fire or whatever, to be able to apply it to your blade. But with the beeswax, uh, I just like that that it sticks because like oil, like if you're oiling your knife with like a food safe oil, um, 
it's not going to last as long as, as something like a, like a linseed oil beeswax kind of combo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's got, a, you might be worth looking into. He's got, yeah, the one for sure. He's got uh, carnauba wax mixed in as well. It's like, it's a linseed beeswax with carnauba added as well to give it that extra little bit of protectiveness, hardness to it. That's, and yeah, the cool. fact, the fact that he does it all himself, uh, I think is just a, a bonus in my mind too. Cause mm-hmm. like, especially in the fact that it comes out of Saskatchewan. Well, I, 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 I literally gives me like you were, we were saying before the warm feeling yeah. when so, to know that this guy is the guy that's putting the seed in the ground, running yeah. the tractor to do all the processing. He literally handmade the machine to press the oil when he first started. That was his, his own machine he handmade and eventually moved his way up into buying a machine and stuff like that. But this kid has been doing all the work himself, family owned freaking farm, and it's just awesome. And, and we can save you 10% if you use the code ForgeChat10 on checkout. Uh, if it, the order is $50 or more, super easy to rack up an order $50. Oh, big time. Yeah. Save 10% ForgeChat10. Sweet, yeah. Yeah, I will definitely check that out when we're done this. Yeah, I'll send you a link, Joey. Sweet, yeah, please do. All right, Don. Uh, now, speaking of the beeswax that you're normally applying, you're just, like, as you're using it every now and again, just kind of, like, rub it on? Yeah, like, uh, I find it lasts until I really, like, if I'm just using the knife to cut rope and whatever, like, I, I find I don't need to really reapply it, but... uh like obviously if if we get an animal on the ground and we gotta uh process it, then I gotta I gotta clean clean the blade, obviously. Like I'll I'll heat up some water to clean the blade with and then uh like we all we all carry like kind of scentless sanitation wipes and I'll wipe it down with that and then then obviously I have to reapply it. Um so I, I carry like I have like a little pill bottle that I carry beeswax in because it's super small doesn't take up a lot of room in my kit. Yeah, you don't have um, to use a lot of it. Yes, for sure. And then, like, uh, at the same, like, because same with, like, the Lindsay beeswax mix. Like, it's it's good for just about anything, like, uh, leather care, like, wood, um, my boots. Like, um, if, if I, like, gouge my boot on something, like a piece of shale or whatever, I'll, uh, like, rub in some, some wax into that, so... Like it's a it's a good thing to carry, kind of a multi multi use thing. Because you yeah, ever thought about in, putting it into like a glue stick tube or something? No, I have not. But that that would be like super convenient. <laughs> yeah, you can like, get them on either like Amazon or eBay. You can get packs of like just empty, clean, never used glue stick tubes. Okay, There's a guy awesome. that actually has a company that's doing the whole wax thing and he's doing it in a push stick kind of thing. Can't remember the name of the company that's doing it, but it's out there. Yeah, that way you and, can just and, rub it on, put the cap on. Yeah, for the purpose of like doing a blade, that would save you a bunch of pain for sure. Just to be able to to apply it like a like your school glue. Like a lipstick. Yep. Yeah, yeah, or a chapstick, yeah. 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 There's Nick oh, with lip- his uh, being the good idea fairy. Yeah. It's, For it's sure. Lipstick. Yeah. It's lipstick. You got to play your lipstick. I could, I I could mean, see beeswax Nick. and linseed oil. That'll help with the chapped lips. Yes. Nick's definitely strikes me as a chapstick kind of guy. God, never, 
I've always been the kind of guy, I was like, I do not care how dry my lips are getting. Like, I do not like putting shit on my face. You're not kissing anybody anyways, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just I saw you doing. <laughs> I saw you were doing some uh, Damascus blades as well there. I Yeah, I do. I, I actually, uh, I got into it really early, I find, uh, the Damascus, like I, uh. Um, uh, like I, I don't think I'd even been making knives for, for like a year. And, uh, I was just like, I like started off like real, real easy. Like I made like, uh, I think it was like eight layers of 15 and 20, 1084, just to see if I could do it. And it, it took, it took. And, uh, and then I'd say within like a month, I was like, I need to find a power hammer. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then I, I got, ended up getting in, uh, a power hammer forge press combo. And, um, now like, I think definitely the majority of my knives, uh, are, are 1084, 15 and 20 Damascus. Do you buy a uh, juggernaut? No, uh, actually I, I think it's from the same shop from Brad. Uh, it, yeah. It's the Hydra hammer. The original the Hydra. One. No way. I, I, I have the original Hydra. You're the guy that bought it. No. Yeah. I remember yeah. Brad talking. That's awesome, dude. How are you liking it? Uh, it's good. Yeah, it's great. Like, uh, I, I got to replace the seal on, uh, on the, uh, cylinder that raises and lowers, uh, the power hammer. Um, okay. But uh, other than that, no, it's been good. Like, it's treated me well, for sure. And it's, like, super, super compact, considering it's it's two different units in one. Because yeah. uh, when I bought it, I was in, like, a, like, I think I was just shy of, like, 10 by 20 garage that I had a bunch of stuff <laughs> in. So, so I needed something compact. And uh, I ended up finding it, and... Brad was a great guy and um, yeah. he like really ran me through everything. And uh, yeah, it's been great. Like uh, I can't complain about it for sure. It's and definitely like uh, it's super user-friendly. Like I come from a bit of a fabrication background as far as like how I grew up. So I like that, that I can fix it. Uh, like if anything goes down, it's all kind of, you go to princess auto, you can find most, most of the stuff you use to, to put that thing together. Well, that, that leads us into a nice kind of easy transition into like, how did you get into making knives? Like what sort of, what was the route you took? You said you're self-taught. I, I, uh, I grew up on a, on a beef farm and, uh, like had pretty old school, uh, farming parents. So like as a kid, you were expected to, to kind of uh, pull your weight. So I'd say probably I was probably in around 10 years old when my, uh, my old man taught me how to MIG weld. Uh, and then I was, I was MIG welding stuff around the farm. So, and then I ended up doing a co-op through school at a welder uh, fabricator shop. And, uh, and then I joined the army. Uh, and then, 
like Nick, you'd know this, like when you're in the army, like you're not making anything. You're, you're not like you're training or you're deploying. So, uh, I just like, I'd never watched forged and fire until four years ago. Like just never, I didn't watch a lot of TV and me and my wife decided, uh, to put on an episode of Forge and fire. And like, by the end of the episode, I like looked over at her and I was like, I need to do that. Um, and I knew, I, I knew I had an anvil in one of the barns at the farm. No and, way. uh, I started looking at how I could make my own forge and then realized very quickly it's way more cost effective to just buy one. Uh, so I, I ordered a pretty basic two burner, uh, like oval shaped forge and um not even getting to bust out the question nick she's not even gonna bother visiting at this point it's all you lando give her started (laughs) (laughs) we got got so excited we forgot to ask about your tool i mean tools tools (laughs) i got tools tools Keep it, keep it badly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you told us you've got the Hydra, the yeah. awesome combo unit, and uh, you've kind of started to tell us about your anvil. Uh, yeah. What do you have for an anvil? Um, I, I honestly, it's it's an old. Uh, it's definitely from England. Uh, it's it's not like a Peter Wright or anything. I, I haven't really taken the time to to look into it. It's um. The, well, the one I start. Picks, I'll see if I can help you with. Yeah, for sure. Well, I I know it's in and around one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty pounds. Um, good size. Yeah, yep. it's a, it's a, it's a good like, uh, and like for me being a, a like a knife maker, um, I I yeah, find you don't like need the giant anvil for that. No, and I don't use it in in as many different ways as like you would making like a lot of shop tools and stuff. Um, so it served me really well, but, uh, um, I, the one I started with was, I, I think at some point it was a 200 pound anvil, but the whole tail end broke off of it. Oh yeah. So I started out with half of an anvil that was just <laughs> like really mangled. Um, and then we had to clean up the farm uh one summer and then we ended up finding like a pretty pristine uh like 120 20 something pound anvil and like my my grandpa had that way when back when he was younger so it, it's definitely old but uh um, cool yeah i ended up uh snagging it and then uh it's it's it does what i needed to do like uh like as far as uh like just hammering out some knife shapes and stuff like I, and uh, like setting welds on it and stuff. Like it's, it's good for me. Hey, free anvils are the best anvils. Oh, for sure. Especially once I started realizing how much anvils cost. <laughs> yeah. I have coming back down a little bit, but like, yes. it's still pretty bad. Oh, I, I there in my area, there's been a couple like 250, like 300 pound anvils. And like, I've been pretty tempted to, uh, to go take a look at them, but, uh, I don't think, uh, I would do them justice, uh, something that big. Yeah. It's well, nice you never know. Well, once we get you back up to the shop here and, uh, 
get you making axes and stuff, you might be like, hmm, maybe I do need a bigger anvil. Yeah. That that is that is the goal too. And like I have been kind of setting myself up to and I have made a couple a couple tomahawks um just to see if I could and uh cool. They they definitely took me longer than they probably should have, but uh they well, they they, they weren't pretty but they functioned and then uh um I ended up buying like a off off Brad again. I bought uh uh like a little mini i think it's like 40 or 50 pound uh swage block oh nice just just to be able to start doing some drifting and stuff and then uh uh i i've got a decent amount of punches and drifts and stuff stockpiled up just in preparation and then uh i know i've talked to nick about this but i got uh 1200 pounds of 5160 um in my shop oh, right now. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just like big massive stockpile of like big it's big uh rectangular bar or something. Yeah, it's uh it's uh two two by three inch uh what the hell? bars that are six feet long and I what have uh I have six of them. What the heck are those um, from? I uh, I was on Kijiji. And this was way back when I was making like knives out of rasps. So I was just like looking for saw blades, anything I could find on Kijiji. And then I typed, I was typing in like 1095, 5160, uh, and just doing these random searches. And then um, I found in Welland, it was some factory that was going out of, out of business and there's just a picture of like an entire massive pallet just stacked with this stuff. And, uh, I reached out to the guy and he said, yeah, come check him out. And I, I went and checked him out. And unfortunately I had an ATV in the back of my quad or I would have took a lot more. Um, but I could only fit 1200 pounds of it in my truck. But, uh, um, yeah, I ended up talking with a guy and, uh, I said, how much you want for him? He's like, how much you want? I said, I think I could take six bars. And he was like, 300 bucks and it's yours. Oh, um, so, oh man. You got to steal. A steal. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it's just kind of sat there um, over the last few years until um, I could figure out uh, how, how I want to how to want, how I want to make some axes or whatever. And yeah. I think it'll be pretty cool. Cause like with the amount of steel I have, like I'll be able to do like full, uh, like axe heads instead of like, uh, yep. putting a, a bit into them. Totally. Uh, cause, cause if you do the math, that's a lot of, that's a lot of camp axes. Yeah. That's a lot. Of or, camp axes. or what about integrals? You ever do any integral knives? Um, no, that that is something that Nick and I have talked about. That that's something I would like to do, like with for, like the integral bolster. Yeah, that's where Walshy is right now. He, him, and uh, Jason Deguer with Chris Green in Calgary taking a uh, integral bolster knife class. That and that's something I I'll definitely pursue. Like up to this point, I I've I've been able to get by just watching youtube talking to some other guys but uh 
now that I have the time and I'm, I'm going to be transitioning out of the army. I, I very much plan on, um, going and, and kind of learning as much as I can from, from as many people as I can. Nice. I think I set a date with Justin, dude. Justin's going to show me how to do a chef knife. Oh, cool. That's cool. Right. Yeah, buddy. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm taking away from the tools. Sorry. No, no, that's, that's all good. Um, and then like, uh, I, I started with, uh, man, what are they? They, it's like a grizzly two by 72. Oh it's yeah. Like a, no way. Where'd yeah. you find that? Did you buy it directly from grizzly or what? No, it, it was another Kijiji buy. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. There's nothing and, uh, wrong with those, dude. Do you still have it or? Oh, I still have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do a lot of my, uh, if I'm gonna sand like some handles or, or, or whatever, like I'll, I'll use that. Yeah. Um, but for sure. And, and like they're beasts, like that thing's been awesome. Yep. Um, and then I ended up buying a kind of like a home built two by seventy two, and it, it it served me well. But it, it it this last week it it just it's had it's had it's, the ghost. it's had enough for sure. Um, so I have a Toronto blacksmiths um uh, two by seventy two. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, and it, it man, it it seems to be well built and everything. I haven't got a a lot of use out of it so far because I've just been kind of using the one I'm familiar with. But now that it's done, I'll transition to to using the other one. And then, actually, when I was with Nick, uh, I'm really excited. I just used it for the first time the other day, but I got uh, a um, surface grinder attachment. Oh, cool. And it's yeah. Oh, I, I sold Joey hard on this one. <laughs> I, I I look back. I used I used to clean up my Damascus first of all on a flat platen because I just didn't know any better. And then I started doing it on uh, a contact wheel. And uh, the flat platen, I just ate through belts. Like I now that I look back, I'm like, oh man, I could have saved a ton of money on belts had I. Dude, oh yeah, man. Just that, real that quick. Big surface area contact, right? Is is that yeah. that? yeah, I wanted to say, explain that to the yeah. listeners if you don't mind. Uh, what it is it? The, uh, for yeah. me, one of the things that sticks out in my mind is the sharp edge. Yes, a hundred percent. You're. It's just uh, like Nick said. You got so much surface area. You're you're building a lot of heat too, like uh, oh yeah, uh, for sure. Because yeah. you, you're you're putting so much pressure, you got so much surface area, and then yeah, you have that sharp edge that's just just chewing off the the uh, cutting surfaces on the on the belt. Right. Um, so I go like I tend to do my knives in batches of five or six, and if I'm cleaning up five or six different knives, I was going through like. Uh, multiple belts and then once i started using it con- yes yeah. yeah and then um i found like if i went to i started going to higher end belts like uh like blaze or combat uh abrasives and i get a bit more out of them but it just it was not i didn't know any better at the time but it was not a an efficient way to to clean off forge scale and and yeah, uh, to do your surfacing Yes, and and then I switched to doing a contact wheel, and then that one it, it took a 
a bit of practice to get it to where I wasn't making like low spots or. Yeah. Or, you weren't making little waves in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like I was, I was rounding the, the, the bombs of my handles and stuff. And, and then now that I, I finally have this, this, uh, uh, surface grinder attachment. Like I couldn't believe how fast it cleans up. Uh, it cleans up uh, surface. It's it's phenomenal, and like you barely oh, use any of the belt. Um, so that's like as far as my tools. That is at this moment what I'm the most excited about because it's new to me and it's really going to save me a lot of time. Um, sure. Where'd you find even? The, where'd you find the uh, surface grinder attachment? Maritime, uh, nice. Oh, no way. Nice. That's awesome, dude. That's super, super awesome, dude. I don't know. Maybe you know this, but uh, Maritime just happens to sponsor the podcast. He hooks us up. We hook him up. There's a little bit of a code that you can use. If you're ever buying an even heater or Paragon kiln, you can use the code FSC kiln. I will definitely. Save yourself a hundred bucks. Yes, I will definitely do that. Like I have, I have an older, uh, uh, even heat. And it's been great. Um, that was one of my big game changers back in the day. It was uh, uh, probably one of the biggest game changers for me was going to to an even heat. heat oven, yeah. I was oh, really absolutely. hoping to make that same leap with my uh, with my tools and whatnot by buying the little Paragon that I bought. Oh, dude! I don't know that there's the heat control on it is just not not there, dude. I can't, I can't use that bloody thing for making what I do. It's not going to do it. Uh, well, it's I, one of the old manual like uh, dials that you set one, two, three, four. Yeah, yeah, and it's working yeah. on an on-off cycle. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it's the lowest setting is too hot to temper, and then trying to find the right setting for heat treat is like and yeah oh, then yeah. the psych the cycling it goes through i'm just like ugh, ugh. and See, it's too small. My, too small yeah my um heat treat oven is actually an old muffle furnace and it originally came with one of those analog controllers like that uh oh, i was having miserable times with it so i pulled all that out of there and i i installed a pid controller mm-hmm. that's cool which made a huge difference just to be able to sit there and press buttons and get your temperature set. That's what I need. Yeah. Maritime life supplies where I can get one of those, right? Yeah. Yeah. A a new heat treat furnace. Yes. I do not know if they have PID controllers. No. Yeah. But they have PID controllers on them. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. And if I wanted to save a hundred bucks, what was that code again? FSC kiln. There you go. And Look at us fun. getting our sponsor reads done, and like the even the <laughs> uh, the like the segues were good. Normally they're perfect. so horrible. <laughs> well, well, and like, like honestly, obviously, I'm not sponsored by them, but like, I've had nothing but good, uh, good interactions with them. Like, like Nick knows. Like, I was waiting forever for them to get a surface grinder attachment in, and eventually, I just reached out to them and. Uh, uh, they were phenomenal to like email me and let me know like, hey, they're we're we're gonna be listing them today. Um, so <laughs> that's like that. So that I get one. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, that because like, is a good guy. Yes. Yeah. Well, they I've sell. Heard, I've heard that. Yeah. Well, they sell those things out. They sell a lot of stuff fast. Yeah. 
Sure does. Yeah. And uh and he's been good. Like I I for uh for kind of a hobby or like a part time knife maker, I I order I've ordered quite a bit and uh they've they've been pretty good with emailing me and sending me some like some hoodies or some ha- hats or and then uh saying like hey if you got a big order like reach out to us ahead of time and maybe we can do something for you which has yeah. been which has been great very cool what do you find that uh, you said mono steel is your main steel and i'm, I'm sure you're ordering a lot of your steel from maritime yeah. knife supply yeah. what do you find is your go-to when it comes to the mono steel that you're ordering um I've been doing a lot because um, I I like I, I do do some stock removal um, just because it makes sense and uh, it, it allows somebody to get uh, a custom knife at like a lower price, obviously. But uh, I've been messing around a lot with the 1080 hex. Oh yeah, um, it's it's fun and like uh, like like I was saying before, being a, a primarily a knife maker, um, I don't. I don't swing a hammer as much as, uh, as somebody who, who makes tools or, um, or who's just like a traditional, uh, blacksmith. So by, by messing around with the hex, like it, it allows me to do a lot of like, uh, kind of refine my, my hand and my hammer shaping and everything. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, uh, hammer shaping and using a hammer, I, I, could steal the question but nick got back so i'll let him i'll let him ask. <laughs> yeah so uh, my usual question i love to ask uh guys uh when they're on the podcast is what's your kind of like your go-to hammer at the anvil or go-to oh, hammers? i'm probably like the worst person asking a question because like i use like uh i think hey, i Emily, think it's go get me a beer from the fridge i think it's like a three pound uh, just like your, your princess auto hammer. But that being said, uh, Nick, you know what I want to make, uh, when I visit your shop. Yes. So. We are going to make you a proper rounding hammer. Oh, yes. nice. Yeah. We're yeah gonna, that that's is one of the first things we're going to do. When it, do you have a date set for this? No. Uh, when we I get back until he gets back from hunting. Yes. When are you yeah. going hunting? Uh, 16th to early june so sometime in june i'll be coming up dude if you get if you were there june 10th you would be there making a hammer with nick the same day i'll be in brandon at Derek foster's making a hammer with sean van bezler yeah it'll probably be around that time what's what size Um, are you gonna go for there you guys i'm gonna let nick kind of guide me on that um, he's de- it's definitely more in his wheelhouse than mine, and I'm yeah. We'll, we'll I'm make you like a, like open a three to and a half or something. We're going for you a know, big end. Yeah. considering the kind of steel that you're trying to move, getting something a little lighter is sort of counterproductive. Yeah. I mean, yes. having the weight is nice for when you're trying to move tool steels. Like, how much time when you're making knives do you actually spend at the anvil? Uh, like uh, we were just talking about, but not uh, uh. In the past, not a lot, but uh, I I was saying I've been messing around with some some 1080 hex, yeah. Um, just just to work on 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 using the hammer more because, um, like I've never apprenticed under anybody or whatever. So, um, like I'll I'll watch some videos on on some guys 
hammer work and stuff and and uh kind of try and emulate it as best i can yeah don't worry when you come up here we'll get you uh sort of schooled up a little bit on some other techniques you can be using at the anvil have you for sure made anything other than knives at the anvil or um I, I like I have like I, I've made some like uh like some carving forks and and stuff like that for some people but like uh um not not a ton like um I've made a couple like swords and stuff but like it's all typically blade stuff and uh one yeah. thing I am one thing I am making out of that hex um is I got asked to make a spear uh for bear hunting. Oh, cool. uh, which, which, which I'm pretty excited about. Like Nick and I had quite a few conversations about it. I was kind of picking his brain on how he would go about, uh, making the socket and, and everything. And, and then like dimensions and all that. But, uh, and we got a lot uh, of stuff to cover when you get up here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. But that's, a, that's a project. On that wall. Yeah. That's a project I'm really excited about. And, uh, and he was asking if, 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 uh, I'm able to do it if I could make it come apart in th- three pieces or so to oh, be yeah. able to put it. And then like now that I'm I'm dabbling in some leather work and stuff, I'll be able to make them like a nice uh, leather uh, like case or a bag for it to be able to break it apart and and be able to keep it in his truck or whatever. But uh, um, that that'll be you like know, for another your thing. everyday bear hunting with spears that you just happen yeah. to do. Yes. You know, in case hey, look, you a bear to out the, the truck. <laughs> this specific, yeah, this specific individual, I am one hundred percent certain he is going to to use that thing on a bear. But uh, um, so I definitely want to do it justice. But I'm 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 pretty excited because it's it's another thing that's uh, similar to what I do, but definitely out of my wheelhouse. I've I have done anything uh, involving a socket yet or anything, so it'll be. Uh, some lessons learned for me um, and kind of open up my repertoire a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then, uh, and like, that's a big reason I'm going to be coming up and spending time with Nick too, just to, to be able to, to learn to make some of my own tools and and stuff like that. Yeah. You have any, uh, anything on your radar for possibly hitting up can iron this year? Uh, Sorry, hitting up what? Oh can no! Iron. You don't. Can you don't iron. know what can iron is? How did no, this ever no. come up? <laughs> wow, Man, I live uh, in my own little corner here, and <laughs> I like August third to sixth. There's an event happening in Fergus, Ontario, called Can Iron. Can okay. iron is a biannual blacksmithing event that happens in Canada and usually travels from coast to coast, kind of thing, like across Canada from one side back to the other or whatever. Uh, Manitoba had it last year for the virtual edition. Myself and Justin Lamaru, uh did that online and That's had cool. an absolute blast doing it with a bunch of presenters and demos and whatnot. And this year it'll be happening in Fergus with some amazing presenters from August 3rd to 6th. Um, registration is available. If you head on over to canaran.ca, you can register for that. There's lots of accommodations in the area, lots of things to go check out. If you're, uh, you come down with the family, that's possibly what I might be doing is coming down with the family and they'll go do their sightseeing and whatnot during the day while I'm at the blacksmithing event. And then 
um, when everything's said and done, we'll spend a couple more days heading out and do some more sightseeing as a family together. Maybe hit up uh, an amusement park there. I know what is it? Uh, Canada's Wonderland is in the area, and yep. uh, that Marine Land, which is apparently my wife is like, don't even mention that place. But and we might be getting into political territory <laughs> there. So yeah, <laughs> bad land, no bad, <laughs> no that. That is something like uh, I uh, I don't think I have anything going on around that time, so that's definitely something I'll uh, I'll come up and like it's well, it's conveniently a, a few hours for me, so it's a good motorcycle ride. Oh, nice! Uh, so so it gives me an excuse. I'll probably take my bike and ride up there then and what see what it's ride? all about. Uh, I got a V Strom, uh, like twenty nineteen uh, V Strom. So there's adventure touring. Cool. I, I'm I'm. Now that I'm getting more time, because like I said, I'm transitioning out of the military. Uh, I, I'm I'm planning on doing some long rides. So uh, that's awesome. An, yeah. Anytime I can get on my bike for three four hours at a time, it's just gonna help me out. Because uh, my goal is Alaska in the next couple oh, of years. Awesome, dude. Like said, Joey is in fact the manliest man who ever manned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that'd be so uh, rad, dude. Yeah, I just. Uh, uh, my my dad did it uh when when he was 28 on a on a bike so i want to uh i want to try to do the same trip push a little bit further in alaska than him just the one of them but uh uh <laughs> and like i i want to see like i want to see the yukon northwest territories in alaska and i'm obviously not i don't want to fly to each one individually so like the best most economical or economical way to do that is ride my bike up there Okay. I I hope to head straight north to none of it, and then cross the t- the uh, territories, and then uh, into Alaska. Wait, north to none of it through where? Uh, I'm gonna try and skirt. Like I'll have to go up through Manitoba. Like I'll skirt around the Hudson's Bay to the to the west, and then uh, I want to go through Churchill, Manitoba, and then start cutting in towards none of it. You'd have to take um, like train up to Churchill, eh? Uh my my buddy's up there right now. Like I haven't really put like a lot of pen to paper as far as what route I'm gonna take, but uh I know places I wanna stop off at. And like if I have to take ferries or or trains or what like or yeah, primarily ferries, I will probably have to take a couple of ferries. Um yeah. I'll definitely hop on them. Yeah, but, I've, uh, I've never personally been up to Churchill myself, but I've been as far as the road goes in Manitoba, just up to uh, Gillum, I believe it's Gillum. Maybe it might go a little bit further than Gillum. I can't really remember. But man, you get up into Gillum area and the roads are like, tra- it's all, it's gravel road yeah. for hours dude I, and there's like big science saying make sure you bring backcountry equipment with you because there's no nothing from here onwards <laughs> yeah I, knowing joey is just gonna like bush bash there's no roads I, at all just like through yeah. the woods on his motorcycle <laughs> i i have uh, i have some pretty i have some 70 30 tires and i'm gonna bring up uh a spare chain and sprocket and um I got a center stand and my, my bike's rigged up with a uh, crash bars and big panniers and everything. So, um, and I do do quite a bit of riding on gravel. Um, yeah, so sorry. I'm, I'm probably as comfortable as, as, as a lot of guys riding on gravel, but, um, definitely once you get that far North, it's, you're definitely, uh, 
uh, you're kind of on your own. So uh, that's a big reason I picked the bike that I picked was, uh, like I almost went with a Honda Africa twin and some bigger, bigger CC bikes, but, uh, um, uh, I can get 500, almost 500 to a tank out of my bike and I'm going to carry a 10 liter fuel Jerry. So I can go 750, uh, almost 750 between stops. And, uh, that should hopefully keep me out of trouble. Um, cause last thing I want to do is, uh, run out of run out of gas up somewhere like that i'd like to see uh, an electric motorcycle go 750 kilometers i know like uh yeah i that you that is that would be a death wish to try to do know, that like, on an electric bike the day the day that uh that they get electrical vehicles to that point i'll kind of start being sold on them but oh for sure it, it, like I got a couple buddies with Teslas that love them, but uh, not not as much in the winter. Yeah, oh. I'm I and you know I've got some people that are riding the electrical vehicles that love them too, and I I, I totally I see light at the end of the tunnel with all of it and a lot of the innovations that are coming with electrical vehicles are super awesome and like there's no denying that there's amazing things that are capable ahead of us in the future when it comes to these to these vehicles i just feel like unfortunately right now we're we're in such a transition period that it's 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 tough on all of us watching us go away from something that we've been so comfortable with using towards this new thing that we're so unfamiliar with, but uh, who knows where it's going to go. We'll see. Positive, and, positive thoughts. <laughs> well, I, I've worked with a lot of Europeans and uh, it makes sense for who is peeing near you. Well, it makes sense for like, countries like uh like holland where you can drive across the entire country in the time it takes for me to go visit nick in his shop yeah uh, and they're already mostly riding bikes everywhere there anyways so throw a little electric motor on there and no harm yeah. yeah and you talk to like them straight electric vehicles right well you talk to them and you're like uh yeah like for me to drive to the next province over it's probably going to take me 20 something hours and like it just blows their mind and you you start realizing that like canada's probably not the most suitable country for electric cars right now uh compared to some european countries it takes me nine hours to drive from winnipeg to flinflon and on the route there i think the last gas station is like something like uh, four, three hours outside of Winnipeg, and then there's nothing for another. You've got the almost another four hours before you're hitting another gas station. It, it, it's like nothing barren. Yeah, land. yeah. Because we just don't have the same sort of density of infrastructure that they have over there. Yeah. You know, no, we've got yeah, so much wide open space. Not yet. It's it's well, you're looking quick, dude. Oh, especially Ontario, but you look at the, uh, yeah, you look at the prairies and it's, it's insane. Like, uh, that's why I want, that's why, like, I don't know my roots yet, but I want to cut North, uh, at least for the way out as much as I can. Uh, and then I'll probably ride the prairies on the way back, but, uh, um, days on days of riding a straight line, (laughs) 
<laughs> like that's gonna be that's gonna be pretty highway hypnosis. But, uh, it's actually no, oh, dude. Yeah. Honestly, I've driven from Winnipeg to uh, Banff or uh, Fernie, and each are primarily the same distance from Winnipeg, and it's a one one night trip. Leave after work at like you know, make sure come home, pack up get everything going, be on the road by 6 a.m., uh, 6 p.m., get to the ski resort for about 6 a.m., 7 a.m. type thing, have a bite to eat, get your gear on, and you're getting on first lift, essentially, and then you ride for the day, and then you come home or back to the hotel room, you crash for the night, and you do it all over again type thing, and then you drive home Sunday night, and you're at work for for work at 8 a.m., Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's especially helpful that you can take a nap while you're driving and just, you know, keep cruising down the road. Well, that's why you take <laughs> yeah. that's why you take a group of people with you so you can nap here and there. But if you yeah. had the electrical vehicle, then you you could nap, right? Yep. Well, yeah, the Tesla's got that like laid, like it'll keep you in the center of the lane thing. Like you could yeah. totally have a nap. It would be very, very unrecommended and dangerous, but you could totally do it. Right, you might take out a, you, I thought that's what the feature was called was nap feature. Yeah. You might take out some cows on the way. Meh. Maybe some deer. Moose cows, maybe. Got a yeah. good old moose knuckle to the head if you're not lucky. Yeah, that's that's de- that's definitely a thread uh on the motorcycle. Oh dude. Ooh, ouch, yeah. That would hurt. Any sort yeah, of Yeah, I don't think you win moose versus motorcycle. Uh, no. any any animal dude that's even, freaking, uh, even a beaver the last thing you want to do is ride your bike into a beaver oh yeah i've uh i've had some buddies get hit by some birds and stuff um <laughs> and that and that'll do some damage um, yeah for sure but uh but yeah i don't think i'll do be doing much riding at night if i can help it but uh um i i like i hope to be comfortable doing like I don't know, like five to seven hundred k a day. Um, oh yeah, like, that's nothing. No, no, and like, uh, cause I, I, I still want it to be enjoyable, right? And I kind of want to take my time, cause like you could, you could bash out like a thousand clicks in a day, but uh, you're probably not gonna be the happiest person at the end of the day. Uh, you do if, want it to be enjoyable. It all depends For- on what you're your purposes on the trip, right? Like if you've got a destination and that's what the purpose is, is the destination, then you bang out the thousand kilometers a day. If you have to, if the trip is the purpose, then you enjoy the trip. Of course, of course. My, my body's taken, it's, uh, my body's taken a, it's like a toll for sure. So for me, it's like, as long as my shoulders and my neck can handle it, I'll, I'll keep riding. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I hard on that too. Oh yeah, like this bike's a lot better, but I've had bikes in the past, especially ones that vibrate like a lot, and like it, they wreak havoc on your shoulders and your neck. Well, that gives us a a wonderful transition back to actually talking about blacksmithing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you? Have you? I was waiting for um, Nick to steer us back. Get us back on topic here. Uh, (laughs) No, that was a welcome interlude. Don't get me wrong. Have you found? Getting back into the forge and swinging a hammer with your I'm so glad you didn't say Jesus Christ because holy frick, we don't talk about religion here, buddy. Yeah. Can it, Have Lando? You- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. What were you the, saying? Uh, is the body holding up well the back into the shop? Yeah, like uh my lower back's kind of been taking a bit of a beating, but uh but not nothing crazy. And I've been easing myself back into it. Um uh like I my my plan is to finish up some of the some of the projects I'm doing for some some other people and then kind of cut down on on orders a bit and uh like you guys were saying start doing some some personal projects like uh i was talking to nick but i'd like i'd like to try to do like a viking inspired sword with like a big fuller because i haven't done i haven't done a lot of fullers in the past and um i got some wrought iron that i i want to use for the garden pommel and uh and just just do some stuff that I've wanted to do for a while, and I just haven't found the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's one thing is I've always – it's something that's come up frequently when we've been talking to especially people who are sort of newer smiths on the show. And it's this little sort of like trap you can fall into is you'll you'll start trying to fund your hobby with doing work – uh, and oh. things that you are doing already that are popular and you can get into a rut you're just making the same thing over and over again you never get the opportunity to sort of like challenge yourself push yourself further try new things try things that are sort of yeah. beyond what your current yeah. skill level is because that's the only way you're ever going to make the bigger improvements to you know actually go and try to do something challenging i want to yeah. embellish on that actually give it a mind so I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody brought up the fact that, oh, well, a sale of one knife covers the cost of that. And it got me to thinking that, well, well, does it cover the cost of it? Are you looking at the fact that you sold the knife for $200 and that $200 paid for a $200 item while you're negating the fact that that knife cost you money to make that that $200 isn't actually $200, right? That $200, what was, what's actually profit from that $200. If you had to take that $200 and break it down into all your shop supplies and shop maintenance and shop uh, insurance and the running around you do for your gas and this and that, everything that goes into running it as a business. If that $200 was literally your income and you had to break it down into profit, how much of that was profit? And that's what somewhat covered it. But you also yeah. have to pay yourself as well. So there's that yeah. too. So it's and in the long run, you break it down and, you're not you're not paying for a lot on the sale of one knife, right? Yeah. No, no, not not at all. Uh, I like, and I like I can, like I agree with what Nick was saying. Where, um, I've I've been care like I I do primarily knives, but I've been careful to I try and stray away from uh, uh, using like templates. And doing like a production run knife, like uh, it's kind of been not a point of pride, but it's something that I I'm happy with. That uh, unless I'm making like a matching 
or like uh, as close to a matching uh, set of knives uh, as I can. Like pretty much every knife I've ever gave someone or sold someone, um, it's been different than any other one I've made. Like, uh, um, yeah, like actually unique just, handmade knives, not production run stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I take some enjoy I take some enjoyment in, in in sketching them out and and uh most of the people that have ever reached out to me for a knife they've been pretty open to like they kind of give me some parameters or or what they're going to be using it for and then a lot of them will just say like you do what you think's uh, going to be best and and then we'll be cool. happy with that and I'll send. I'll send them progress pictures and stuff just to make sure that I'm not going away from what they were hoping to get. But, uh, but it definitely keeps a bit more enjoyment in it. Why why don't you walk me through that process real quick? If you don't mind, I want to order from Uh, you uh, a hunting knife. Um, I'm, I'm, I I don't know much about what I I want or what I'm, what I'm doing when it comes to knives. Uh, I know I want a nice custom hunting knife though. I've been hunting for a long time. So, um, you know, night hunting's in my family and I want to keep the tradition going and I want a knife that I can, I can call my own, my family heirloom that I can pass on to my son when I'm older. I want you to make it for me. Where, Where do we start with this? What do we, what do we do? Uh, like I, uh, like, first of all, like, uh, if it's, if it's hunting, Joey related, is not I'll, good I'll... at hypotheticals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretend, pretend, pretend I'm buying the knife, bud. Go, go off of what I gave you. I'm buying this knife. Okay. okay so it. like, so it'd be like, uh, like, like what are, what are you hunting? Like, where are you hunting? Uh, uh I'm in, I'm in Manitoba. Um, deer, white, white tailed deer is a huge thing for us. We also are walking into a lot of boar lately, uh, while boar is getting to be a problem in our province. So while boar is something that I'm, I'm big into as well. So main, mainly white tail and boar. So, so if you're, and like, like our, like, like I'd be asking like, cause like from being from Manitoba, like very likely you're not boning out like an entire animal on the side of a mountain. No, um, no, I'm, I'm maybe what quartering it and then taking it to a butcher afterwards. So if that was the case, like I, I'd be recommending if you're going to be skinning and quartering it with, with one single knife, um, I would definitely go with something, uh, with a longer blade than your typical skinner is what I would recommend. Um, and then, like, like the next question would be, uh, are you, are like, if I, I, I typically ask if they know what Damascus is or like pattern welded steel. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've got an, I've got a pretty good idea of what that is. And then how, like, um, how do you do you? Is this a pretty knife ha- or purely functional? Yes. Yeah. Like, like how how much uh, weight are you putting on? on um, like how, how fancy you want it to be? That's a good question. I do want it to, like I said, I want it to be a family heirloom item, but I want it to be durable enough that it can be used, obviously. Um, so, 
you know, it does. The, as far as the Damascus goes, uh, I'm interested in the Damascus if if that's uh, if that's recommended for something of of use. Yeah, and 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 like the, with it being Damascus or just straight uh, carbon steel, which like I primarily work work with 1084. Like you're not you're not going to see much of a performance difference. It's going to be mainly cosmetic. Um, and then, perfect. yeah. And then, and then uh, I'll kind of refer them t- to my page and say like, is there anything that kind of piques your interest as far as, uh, Damascus patterns and, and blade shapes or whatever? Um, and then, well, I was looking at your page and the the that first knife on your page with I don't know is that a laser etching that you did with the yes. the trees yeah uh, that yeah. that is very cool can you can you do my name in that laser etching uh my last yeah, absolutely absolutely and I would recommend that I laser engrave the handle rather than the blade just because you okay. start you start processing some animals with with your blade it's just going to naturally patina over time and you're going to lose that contrast okay uh whereas the handle it's gonna it's gonna hold up and you're you're gonna like if you're gonna pass it down through the family like that engraving is gonna stay there nice yeah Um, we're talking it's fun to fly on the wall for this yes (laughs) and then uh um yeah this is this is my first time Walking through this kind of hypothetical <laughs> thing, but uh, uh, and then the next, like the biggest thing, um, is handle material. So I'd send you over uh, some examples of some handle material, uh, kind of make some recommendations. Like as far as a hunting knife, uh, I wouldn't recommend like woolly mammoth stabilized woolly mammoth tooth, like uh, or anything brittle like that. Like I would. I would be recommending um, some sort of nice stabilized hardwood, uh, some my uh, micarta. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then it's uh, it like you would choose uh, kind of the handle material that kind of uh, draws your eye. We discuss whether I think that would be a suitable handle material for what you're going to be using it for. Um, like at the end of the day, it's up to you, uh, anyhow, but, uh, um, and then, uh, from there, like, um, I'll typically like ask, uh, as far as like pins, do you want like a hollow pin, copper pin, brass pin? Um, I've just started using, um, some of like the carbon, like, uh, like composite or whatever pins. Um, and like, uh, like handle liners, a lot, like a lot of the cosmetic stuff. Um, so what, like, obviously I'd be sending you some, some pictures and some examples, and then that would be on you to, uh, kind of let me know what, what you'd want. Cool, dude. Um, yeah. And then, um, and then it'd just be down to, uh, after that, it's just uh sheath, like, like, how do you want to carry it? Uh, do you want retention? Um, do you want it out of kydex? Do you want it out of leather? What are the pros and cons to, to either? Obviously, like kydex being a bit more, um, 
it doesn't hold moisture like leather stuff like that um yep. uh, obviously you get kind of a different feel pulling a knife out of a kydex sheath than uh leather you got a bit different attachment options because like some some guys won't even wear their their knives on their hips right like uh you got the option of like uh, having it attached to, like, say, the waistband of your rucksack, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, um, yeah that's kind of... Is there options on a knife like that when it comes to the grind profile that you're putting on it, or is there pretty much a go-to when it comes to that? Um, I'll, uh, like, I, I kind of... I have had... Uh, the request for some like Scandi grinds, yeah. uh, for like bushcraft, bushcraft guys. But uh, as far as a hunting knife, um, I'll generally ask like, kind of spine, what kind of spine thickness you're going. Like, do you want the the blade to be flexible or do you want it to be a bit more uh, rigid? Um, but as far as uh, as far as uh, bevels. I I find I've only encountered a handful of people that really had a preference with with what their bevels what their bevels are like uh, if 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 it if it really doesn't matter to them I'll uh, I'll kind of just make it the way I would want it with myself being a hunter like how would I make myself a knife. Yeah, I mean, there is a certain amount of you've got to rely on the person who's actually making it. This is actually, I think, really interesting. I think some people out there who have never, well, who have thought about buying a custom knife but have been intimidated by the idea of the process would actually really enjoy hearing this. Well, not only that, but from a maker point of view, like I've never made a knife before for somebody. So hearing this process opens my eyes to a lot of things too of like, oh shit, yeah. I would have never thought to that. Of course, that's something you want to talk to them about, but I would have never thought to talk to them about that. Right. So that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that would be like, like a lot of times you you won't even get into that much detail. Cause uh, like I said, I, I run into it more often than not where they'll, they'll be concerned about um, the overall handle material, but as far as pins or whatever, or they'll, most people just say like, what do you think? And let's say I've had some, I've lately copper has been pretty popular as far as like guards on like antler handle knives or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, most people they'll, they'll pick your, your big ticket stuff. And then the rest, uh, for the most part, they'll be like, just, just do what you think's good. And, and what's, I'll be what's happy. Your, what's your thoughts on that? The, the copper, um, if you're, I like it if I'm going to make something that's going to go in a shadow box. Um, but like, uh, like you guys would know, it's going to tarnish over time if you're not like keeping up with it. But I like Patina. copper. Like, Patina. Yeah. 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 I, I like yeah. the look of copper over, over brass. Um, it, that's just my preference. Um, it, it definitely is. It's pretty, but, uh, yeah. It's a little less fun to actually work on. Yes. One of the things things that kind of comes, that has come to light in a few different conversations as of lately is galvanic corrosion 
between copper and other met materials and yeah yes it is a thing like absolutely is it going to be the primary thing you're worried about when it comes to a knife no right what do you like, think what do you think about galvanic corrosion when it comes to um copper mascus uh um I think that most of the time, anything that's going to be this sort of copper mascus or kumai is going to be a display piece, right? Yeah. Any any user More. is going to, is you know, you're not going to make it out of kumai or copper mascus, you know. Uh, so when it's in an environment where it is clean and dry and oiled and protected, that is going to inhibit that process long enough that it's not going to be significant in the sort of general lifetime of that as a piece. Yeah. You know, um, when it comes to things like guards, like maybe you're going to get some uh, additional sort of corrosion because of the galvanic reaction. Um, But uh... you're also going to be if it's a user you're going to be regularly oiling it and that is going to start to impede that reaction a bit and you know like i i don't think it's a big enough deal to worry about does moki magane prepared to be wrong but does moki magane have any sort of galvanic corrosion or are those two materials nice and compatible with each other in that well yeah makume is usually done with Nickel and uh, copper. Yeah, and a, a lot of time it's not actually straight nickel. It's actually what they call nickel silver, which is yeah, a copper right. alloy as it is. So ah, because you're, yeah, you've got true. two copper alloys together, they should be fine. Hmm, interesting. Right? That, that's theoretically, I have not done it yet, so I couldn't tell you for sure. It's on my list of things to do. Now, if you were to want to have a knife that had um, copper mascus on it that was like a usable knife on a regular basis usable, you could go throwing copper mascus into the guard, right? Uh, yeah, like if you wanted if you wanted to use something like copper mascus as a guard, that would be fine. Yeah, okay. you know, again, it's one of those ones where on a user. Like, I think that's going to be relatively low on the priority scale of what kind of problems are going to occur in uh, a knife. Like, you're way more likely as a user, just through tough use, to end up doing things like breaking a blade or having pins come loose or having handle scales crack. And that kind of stuff is more in that general quality control that you're going to be concerned about. Yeah, you know, like no, that I'm stuff not, is, it's I, more important. Like, oh, for sure. I think I think that galvanic yeah. uh, oxidization sort of problem is is way down the list of things to be worried about. If and you know me, dude, I'm one of those guys that I like to talk about the stupid what ifs. Right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah the far, nothing, the like, far off shit. There's nothing wrong with talking about it and stuff. It's, I think it's it's something that it's good to be aware of and consider. But I think in the grand scheme of things, I think it is far less of a concern than it's sometimes made out to be. 
Uh, and at that point, maybe it's not the greatest thing to be concerned about whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like much more important to make sure that you've got a good shape, uh, like good blade profile and edge profile, good heat treat, you know, like yeah. those kinds of things are much more important when it comes to like the actual usability of a knife. I yeah I agree with that. Like I haven't made copper masks. That's actually on my list of personal things I want to do. I I'm doing like I'd like to just make one that I could like give to somebody to to put in a shadow box or um I'm gonna work on some stuff that I can donate um just to like I'm open, various. I'm open to donations, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll I'm donate not talking, to the I'm, not, I'm not talking about sperm donations, okay? Take it <laughs> yeah. easy, there, pal. You, you got enough of that with Nick over there. Um, <laughs> but uh, how you doing? But but how that's something I'm. That's something I like. It draws my eye, so it's something I'd like to 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 try out um, for sure. And and like and like Nick saying like um. As far as like my knives go, like I uh, I find like I definitely don't make the prettiest knives. Like I, I I like like my style. If I can, if somebody gives me, I want a carbon steel knife that's not Damascus, and I want it in your style. Like I like like I like the rustic look. Like I like leaving like not fully cleaning the blade up. And like leaving some of the those tool marks or some L- of that forge scale effect, yeah, hundred percent. Like, cause cause that's what I wanted when I reached out to somebody for uh, for uh, a custom knife. Cause like before I made knives, in my opinion, that just didn't look store bought. Like that looked like something that somebody made with mm-hmm. their hands, and and that's what I wanted. So so that that kind of is my my style, and uh, and like 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 a mere like I, i've never done a mirror finish i don't think that i will with carbon steel just because like that mirror finish is only gonna last oh to, seconds to the, yeah to the first time yeah. you cut a vegetable or a piece of meat with it as and soon then as it hits then, the, as soon as it hits the moist there yeah and what and like for in my opinion like why like i just i wouldn't want to charge them the extra money for me to get it to that when it's it's not gonna last so and that's just like just how I am, but uh, uh, like I'll do a nice, like clean finish on them, uh, but but not never to like a mirror finish, because uh, like I, I like to pride myself on on their fu- their fit and function, and and not so much uh, like like there are some guys like I, I follow a lot of the Facebook pages, of the Canadian bladesmiths and blacksmiths. Man, there are some guys making some ornate just beautiful knives and and uh i'm definitely on the more uh utilitarian side of things yeah because you start trending towards like there are certain kinds of guys who are doing essentially knives as art which i think is amazing like i do tools as art like i think it's there's nothing wrong with it you know Mm -hmm. but i i think that we also have to remember that there are sort of different levels of finish that you want for items that have different purposes. You yeah. know, there is oh, yeah, no of point if in doing you... some of the kind of things you do to an art knife that you would do to a 
a, a, a knife that's meant to be a heavy user, like uh, yeah. a hunting knife. Right. That's you uh, go to fi- I, you go to Finland for that guy. You don't go to Poland. Because you want to finish. Yeah. I, uh... I, I ran into... I made myself a knife for my uh, gun belt uh, at work. And I was, like, so excited to do it. And I ended up doing, like... I think it was 600 layer Damascus. Uh, and it was like a twist and stack pattern. And then I used a copper guard and I used mammoth molar. Uh, and then it was a bison horn carved into like a timber wolf's head. Oh, yeah. was the handle. Uh, from, too fancy was it, wearing a gun belt. Why, well, man? Trust me. I like put it on my gun belt, and then I was like, I can't leave that on my gun belt because every time I'd like brush up against a wall or get in out of a truck or you fall on my bit. back, I'd be like, oh man, like I'm just beating the crap out of this thing. And then eventually, I realized like this is just too pretty. Like I can't. I was just didn't want to destroy it. Um, and then I was like, that was kind of one of the realizations where I was like, this would be a shadow box knife. Probably not a knife that's going to like be used to pry open like doors and, and prying like, open ammo cans after falling out of a helicopter or something. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Stuff you like listening that. to you weren't listening to Jack's inner voice, destroying yeah. something to destroy something beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Like I, uh, I couldn't bring myself to do it. So I, uh, um, that being said, it did get a lot of attention when you're walking around and behind your med pouch, there's like this black wolf's head handle. Um, where'd you get that from? Uh, Neil. Yeah, I knew yeah. it. I was gonna, I was, fucking he's the only guy, guy I know that does that stuff, it, but it's phenomenal. Fuck, no kidding. He's just out of south of me here. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's made up Mantope. Yeah. Um, he, he's a great guy to deal with, but uh, you've got a couple um, of knives with handles from him, eh? Quite a few, yeah, 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 yeah. You've seen some of mine. Um, and, and the first thing people ask when they see a knife with one of that guy's handles is like, "Did you make that handle?" And I was like, "No, I, I don't think I have this. I don't have the ability to like be able to carve something three D like that." And he does them quick. Yeah, I don't think he makes knives either. He just makes handles. Yeah, and yeah, he's got wrong with man, that. The guy's got a talent. He does uh, absolutely. And nice. uh, yep. I I just got him to make me one with a hound dog on it to make a knife for a houndsman buddy of mine who lost his dog last year. Oh, like he lost his nice. best dog. So uh, I I just said, can you make one with a hound dog on it? And it's phenomenal. Like the detail that's in this this hound dog on the side of the blade and then i'd like to do a donation for delta waterfowl uh this year so i got him to carve a mallard in the side of an antler nice, sweet. uh just just uh just to have that duck hunting uh uh like nexus or whatever but uh yeah for sure but yeah i, I love using his stuff and uh 
I actually have the exact same style handle I just ordered from him that I'm going to use for my like chopper. Um, beauty. You're going to have one of those beautiful carved handles and you're going to go take it and wander the yes. mountains. That's awesome. Crap yeah. I just, I just like them too much. I definitely won't use something like mammoth molar for like the accent on the handle. Uh, no, but, that's probably uh, a step too far. But I liked I, I love I love the look of bison horn. Like it just looks classy and oh, it's gorgeous stuff. Like, I really want to get some and play with it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice and and it's nice to work with. It's not as brittle as uh, antler uh, can be, and it drills really nice. And um, it, yeah, it's kind of a pleasure to work with. That being said, like I mentioned, mammoth molar that stops it. Like that stuff is not fun to work with. Your, your shop ends up smelling like a dentist's office for a couple of days. Yeah. I was doing yeah. a little bit of antler work earlier today, and I had a little couple little chip outs on the uh, backside where I drilled through. Yeah, they do not like. Yeah, they don't like being drilled. Are you yeah, those are the toggles for the authentic boots for the closures. Oh, nice! Oh, that's nice. smart. That's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. That's yeah, probably like- period accurate too. Eh? Yep. Yep, a couple of little uh, just uh, antler tips. I I made that mistake early on. I think it was my second ever antler knife. I drilled it a little bit too quickly. and a uh, too aggressively, yeah. Oh, yeah, and it just took a chunk out of the other side, and I had to scrap it and move on. That's always the worst when you're like – because at that point, you're far enough into a project – it's just like, God damn it. Yes. And right. and for me, antlers don't like, it's not like we're out West in Ontario. Antlers aren't that easy to get a hold of. It's uh, so, not quite the same. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sad to just throw one out, but, uh, um, but yeah, like, uh, um, I know you and I have talked about it, but like I've worked with, uh, some of the mammoth ivory and, um, that stuff is a bit easier to work with. It'll still crack, but uh, that's another thing that stinks when you work with it. To me, it smells yeah. like onions. It's, it doesn't smell good. That's for sure. No, like no, it has pieces its, of it have sort of different smell. smells, but it's always gross. It's not quite that yeah. burned hair smell that you get when you're doing antler, but it's, uh, it's unpleasant. I mean, but yeah. lots of knife dead making. animal parts. So, what do you want? Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you guys ever used desert ironwood? No, no, I have. Oh yet to my use god, that. does that stuff stink? It literally <laughs> smells like manure. Oh, beauty! It's it's horrendous. It's beautiful when it's done, and it's a great handle material. It's so rock solid, stable. Do you ever right? notice you never- that about uh, fresh maple? Maple, a, a freshly cut slab of maple, like wet maple, like fresh, like a cut tree of maple has, oh, or is it oak? Maybe it's that I'm thinking of. There are several species of trees that when they're they're still fairly fresh, they've got a bit of a funk to them for sure. Fucking right, funk. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't mind like work with, um, uh, like uh, for me, it's I like working with ash. I like the smell of when I work with it. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like the smell uh, of like, like, like certain woods, I, I don't mind the smell of it. Because, like, obviously, like, I'll wear a respirator, but with the beard, and you guys can probably relate, you're, you can yeah, still smell really what you're working on. Oh, yeah. 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 
you're not getting a seal. So how do you how do you manage that? Do you stuff the beard inside the respirator, or do you put the respirator over the beard? Oh, well, before I used to stuff it in, but at this point, I kind of can't do that anymore. So I have to, and I got a like I don't probably look like it, but I got a massive head, so it's hard enough to get a respirator fit without my beard. <laughs> Big old um, fucking noggin on him. Yeah, what, what are we talking about here again? Yeah. Uh, you have a hard time yeah, in the condom home? Joey has a hard time getting protection on. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hard time getting protection onto his great big head. Yeah. Terrible. And, and, and I honestly, like, I am bad for, I, I am the first guy to be like, you know what? I'm only doing one handle. What's uh, like you're not the you're definitely not the worst guy for that trust yeah me. yeah and then <laughs> and then I come in and my wife's like why is there black all over the shower and it's like yeah I got a little carried away without my, blowing without your nose my in the shower oh yeah oh like, yeah oh man afterwards you get that like gritty booger that you gotta pick out of there yeah like you're and trying your, to blow and your nose and it ain't coming out well and for me it's my, my eyes. Oh, yeah. Like my my I get all the grit in my eyes, and oh, then shit. like I'm actually doing it right now. But like, uh, uh, you don't notice it until, um, like if I'm not wearing my mask and I'm just wearing glasses, uh, uh, I'll start noticing that my eyes feel gritty. Oh yeah, you know what you got to get yeah. yourself. You can get safety glasses, like just basically regular ones, but they've got a gasket. Yeah. Yes. Around yeah. the eye. I've got a set of those for when I'm doing grinding stuff that I'm going to be grinding for a while. I've gotten a lot of steel. Yeah. It'd be like similar to this. That you're not squinting hard enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Safety squints engaged. Yeah. I, I like you talked about welding, but like I've got welder's eye before. Oh, yeah. It's good time. I was, there, bud. I was welding guards for a factory and it was all the expanded metal mm-hmm. and i was just put my glove over the end of the mig just to do all the tacks yeah and just the reflection off the the steel like oh yeah uh, uh like it was an uncomfortable feeling like my eyes were almost scabbed over yeah and yep. my eyelids were burnt Really? Wow! You must have been your face must have been a little close then. It's and it's it's all I was doing for a couple of days is yeah. welding. Like it's just super repetitive, like essentially tack welding, like well, these guards. That might be something that a, a lot of people in the, like if you're not a welder, you might not be familiar with. It's you know it's a, you can totally get away with doing exactly what you're saying, where you just put your glove over top of the gun just to do a couple quick tacks. It's not going to kill you to do that for a few tacks on on a structure or something like that. But that you're putting together, but you do it all day. Yeah, and and that reflection carries. And if you're not wearing a a, a hood, a welding hood, or a mask. It's one thing to protect your eyes. Maybe you're squinting. Maybe you're looking away or whatever. But that reflection of that arc is a very bright light. It'll actually start to cook your skin as well. So yeah. there's there's two sides to why you're wearing a mask. You're not just wearing a mask to protect your eyes. You're wearing a mask to protect your all of your skin. Even more so, that's why you want to be wearing a welding jacket. I've heard Jeff Fader talk about this before about welding without a jacket and burning your skin like i've weld i've done welding almost all day mig welding and wearing just a t-shirt 
the next day I'm like, I go for a shower or that night or whatever. I go for a shower. I take my shirt off and my, from my sleeve down is red. And I'm like, yeah, you get oh. a farmer's tan. Oh, but oh, no, my dad, dad got it the worst once he had welding gloves on. So it was covered up to, you know, kind up of to there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then he had like a short sleeve shirt on. Right. Yep. So it was just this section of the insides of his arms and he was stick welding and he was doing it all day. And oh my god, you just it's just this like lobster red band around these. He couldn't like bend his arms for a couple of days. Or the worst place to get it is, dude, is if you're wearing a. I was wearing a muscle shirt and I got it all over my armpit. Oh yeah, like all my whole arm, but my armpit got it as well. Holy frick balls! Oh, that that sucked. And then you go for a shower and it burns, it burns in the shower. But the thing that bugs me the most about it, it stinks for like two or three days afterwards. You literally stink like burnt freaking flesh, dude, like burnt hair, burnt flesh. It's gross, dude. Mm, uh, Smells that I love. Smells like cancer. I've let my I've let my shirt on fire a couple of times and not realized oh, yeah. it until until I like lost most of the hair off my armpit and uh, I could like smell burnt hair and I was like what the heck it took my put my mask up and I'm like oh man like my shirt is on fire. I mean, uh. come on, like, I've one of those I find when I'm doing Damascus a lot of the times it's like the bottoms of my pants and stuff catch fire or whatever. Just from the scale falling off, it's so hot. Uh, and, uh, I, yeah, you like you'll be mid heat, and then all of a sudden, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, yeah. i i i did a I did a big job. I had to MIG weld um, additional steel plates on a huge industrial bulldozer blade. So I had to roll them in a big industrial like. Um, roller them and then uh tack weld them all in place and then run these like huge long like like i don't even know how many feet like welds and it was so hot because i'm welding like just the thickest steel plate um that my gloves were shrinking to my hands oh yeah and like yeah. we had to cut a pair of my gloves off because I could not get them off because you oh, don't realize wow. it. Wow! But the like back of my glove shr- shrunk to where it was so tight on my hand I couldn't get it off. We had to cut my glove off. You're and like then you didn't uh, the hell out of your hand, then, dude. Yeah, and then my foreman ended up going out and getting. Uh, it looked like uh, part of an ash shield suit, yeah. but it was yeah, like a shield that went over my arm, so I would yeah. stop <laughs> shrinking my gloves because it's like just all day of running these huge like super hot uh beads so this, and, uh, this brings up a crazy lando story if you want to let's hear when it I was, when i was in school for welding and i think um statue of limitations will cover me here <laughs> so when i when i was in school for welding I ran into the same scenario. It was burning the back of my hand. And I was like, I can't remember what it, it was vertical, vertical welding of some sort. And I was burning the back of my hand like crazy bad. And I was just like, I got to do something. So I made myself like a gauntlet that I could rest my MIG gun on and not burn the back of my hand. When I finished doing that process, I didn't need it anymore. So I threw the gauntlet in my backpack and brought it home. 
That's wild. It was man. those dudes were Ow. fucking tough motherfuckers, man. Who's gotten like literally knocked out by a steel gauntlet? Yeah, and the whole time there was a dude sitting in the bus shack just watching the whole thing. Like, holy fuck! Uh, oh, and my my brother's friend that got jacked, he just ran away, went home, didn't had had no idea any of this stuff happened. We we ended up getting a hold of him later and like, dude, what the fuck? Oh, I wasn't too worried about it. Holy fuck. All left of that for hanging. nothing. Yeah, left us hanging for nothing. My brother thought he was going to go save his buddy. I thought I was going to go save my brother. I pretty much probably did save my brother. So, yeah. That was that was back in crazy times, man. I'm glad those days that's, are long gone. Don't that's that on the list no of things you see at a bus stop. <laughs> there's, there's Could no you imagine stores. being that guy sitting in the bus stop? One dude was punching the other dude with like a gauntlet. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds like it would have been really entertaining to watch if nothing else. Yeah, it's up your alley, Nick. It's all medieval. You could you could wear your shoes. Yeah, I don't know that they would help me in a fight. Probably, no. yeah, probably. I think my safety boots would probably be the better option there. Now, the question I have for you guys is, if you were the guy sitting in the bus shack, what would have what would have your reaction been? Pull out the phone and videotape it. Come on. <laughs> I have no clue what I would do. Uh, I don't know. Pick a side and side and start rooting for one of them. <laughs> start taking bets yeah. with anybody else at the bus stop alright I got five bucks on the guy with the gauntlet <laughs> that's uh, that, that is I'll, an advantage yeah I think the odds are, are, are kind of stacked <laughs> oh man Nick your shoes your shoes are more likely to get you in a fight if you were yeah probably <laughs> I'm just fully embracing like exactly how big a nerd I am I, I love it, dude. I go for it, man. Full full force. I, I think it's awesome. Fuck yeah. Yeah. The, the only thing that long. I kind of like the only thing I kind of wonder about like making shoes like that, they obviously like upped the game at one point and went from using leather soles to something else. Like Oh yeah. Where where did they go to? Be wood. To, to wood? That's well, what yeah, I was kind you've of got thinking. Wood, some shoes yeah. that have got uh wooden soles patents. Uh, and then eventually they started stacking multiple laminated layers of leather. Of leather, and like, yeah, like a micarta almost, but leather. Same kind of idea, yeah. Multiple layers of leather glued together. Oh, I see. And yeah, then, guys do that with knife handles. That looks sweet. Yeah, I mean, yes, have you yeah. ever held a knife that's got, like, one of those handles like that where it's got the compressed like leather? It's actually really quite nice. Yeah. K-Bar yeah, K-Bar is probably your more famous. Yeah, and they're not the, the only ones that are like that, but yeah. Like my yeah, dad the, had the, the trade the like little like a Bowie style hunting knife that was done with the stacked leather handle. That was really comfortable. The, as far as yeah, I'm 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 ninety nine percent certain the V forty two, it was the Devil's Brigade dagger. Yeah, like the first Special Service Force in World War Two, they had like a famous dagger and and that was stacked leather hmm. handle. Uh, I was at a dude's house before and I saw one that had a stacked leather. Like this guy was like, yeah, it's 
we're getting rid of the place, whatever. If you see anything in the garage you want, just grab it and bring it to me and I'll tell you what I want for it or whatever. There was a knife there that had a stacked leather handle on it and on the blade, the stamp kind of looked like an Arabian sword, if I'm not mistaken. I was so tempted to grab the knife and be like, yeah, what do you want for it? And I was just like, you know what? I'm not a knife guy, whatever. I have this funny feeling that knife was something special, man. I've been thinking oh, about problem. that ever since the day I saw it, man. Should have grabbed it. Yeah, that I- sounds like the Wilkinson sword. Um, yeah. Touch mark. Is and, that something pretty unique or? Uh, well, Wilkinson sword is a, a, a company like a blade maker out of Britain. That's been making blades for the British military for sent literal centuries. Oh, crazy. Cool. Yeah. The company still exists. Still. You're a, uh, I'm going to do a quick little Google. You're an encyclopedia. This is why, man. This is why Nick is a co-host on Fortress Chat because he's fucking yeah. amazing and his brain has like all the good information when it comes to freaking. It's crazy. It's yeah. It's so cool because he's like into knives, like huge. Even though he's like not really a knife guy, he's but he is. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah. I uh, I've had so many concussions. I have like the retention of a goldfish. You too, eh? Uh, so yeah, so he's uh, when when we be talking uh, where we met, I it always blew my mind how much that guy retains. Yeah, yeah I've got a bit of a, a a good memory for really odd bits of information. My wife likes to give me a hard time about that. I can't remember that I've got you know dinner plans tomorrow but I can remember a Simpson episode from 30 years ago. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird how the brain works. There's that. Selective memory. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell her that. Oh yeah. For Hope sure. she didn't hear. Hope she didn't hear. <laughs> uh what were you searching again, Nick? I thought, I forgot what you were looking for. I, think I was looking point. for the Wilkinson sword touch mark. Ah, I see. Okay, sorry. Ah, shit, I should have grabbed it. Shoot, son of a gun. What did I get from I, that guy again? I got something sweet. from. Oh, yeah, I bought my bow off of the guy. I'm, okay. Oh, dude, I'm getting into hunting. I bought a bow like a couple years ago because I was like, dude, I'm going to do the bow hunting. And I finally filled out my hunter safety. I started doing the course online. It's like. Dude, I need to do this. I went to go to the grocery store the other day. I went to Sobeys and I I was literally like mad by the time I left. I was just like, this is fucking robbery. Like I've literally felt bent over backwards twice in that oh, place, yeah. man. It was stupid. But I, I started out as like a bow hunting purist. Like that's all I used to do is bow hunt. Um, it, I love it. Like, uh, I, I started like, uh, using rifle a little bit, but I still like, uh, uh, my first deer I ever shot was with a bow. Uh, first mule deer, like first whitetail yeah. and mule deer were both with bows. First turkey was with a bow. First grouse was with a bow. Okay. Uh, when you're doing grouse, you have to, my buddy's telling me that I have to get a, a different arrow than what I've got. I have to have a special arrow, arrow for grouse. Uh, broad yeah. You get like thing. a, you get I like feel- a judo head. A judo head. It's, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. They'll either they'll have like uh, prongs. That's, that's what it is. Yeah, that's what yeah. he's telling me. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple different you'll things still... you guys use. Like some guys will use blunts. 
that's that, 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 that's what I train. I used to use judos. I've transitioned to uh, like a hard uh, rubber, like blunt tip. Yeah. Um, okay. Because and what really what it's doing is like it's not doing as much damage to the animal, um, yep. but it's also if you miss, it's preventing your arrow from embedding and like going under the underbrush or whatever. Right. Yeah. So you recover yeah. it. Um, Cause I've, I, uh, I've shot a couple squirrels with judo points before I switched and it literally skinned them for me. Uh, <laughs> it was just too, still too, too sharp. Um, which is why I made my tr- transition to a, to like a hardened rubber. Uh, Cause like if I, Oh yeah, I eat, I eat squirrel every year, man. I make That's squirrel awesome, ta- squirrel tacos and uh, nom, nom, nom. yeah, and like I I I hunt just about it. I hunt everything from doves, doves, squirrels. I've eaten porcupine. Uh, we eat a lot of dove. Like that's one of my son's favorite. Really? Uh, like meats? Yeah. It like because it's right before ducks. It's right before waterfowl season, so it just gives you a, a chance to to practice your shooting like your your wing shooting never heard of going for a dive dove before that's interesting yeah yeah like morning Shows doves and pigeons and pigeons like if it's on a farm and i see some pigeons flying over there getting it too because they're yeah. just big doves um but and it's fun like it's super fun and they're there if you get enough of them you like i tend to make appetizers with them oh yeah i'll yeah, like I'll uh, like comparable to gross them. or yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, not yeah, as uh, they they're not piney like like grouse because well, I find I'm... grouse are like porcupine tastes piney like grouse just worse. Unless you like um, field grouse, don't yes, have that yeah. piney taste, See, right? I, I've always shot. Uh, I've always shot grouse, like rough grouse and like spruce, spruce woods and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I find that they, they taste great, but you can definitely tell where, where they live by how they right. taste. Hmm. Um, what's some of the, that, like, what's some of the craziest, weirdest shit that you've eaten, dude? Oh, I think like this is going to uh, be an interesting question for Joey, considering his world tro- globe trotting. Yeah, uh, give, job. Me, give me the weird uh, of the weird. I don't know. Like, I don't know if it'd be weird. It'd be weird in our culture. Like, like probably the the thing that weirds people out the most is that I've eaten porcupine. To be honest, <sighs> and um, I, I haven't eaten that many weird. Like, I have a buddy who's eaten uh, coyote. And raccoon. That's that's interesting. Raccoons kind of Wait, coyote kind of is nasty. you're not supposed to eat predators, man. Like no, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. That, that being said, though, uh, one of the the most iconic game meats uh, is supposed to, or one of the, the tastes is supposed to be mountain lion. Hmm. Mountain lion and apparently lynx are supposed to be delicious. Which it blew my mind because, like you're saying, they're they're a predator. But I wonder what on earth cat tastes like. Hmm. Let's don't go there. Do not. Yes. We don't do political. <laughs> yeah. No. 
No. <laughs> no, yeah. Nick. I mean, come on. No. I've eaten my fair share of pussies before, but... Had <laughs> 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 the cats. I'll give it myself on that one. <laughs> my own sad trombone. I'll be I'll be eating cougar in a few years. Hey <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, Speaking of hunt, this uh, this Joey character is supposed to actually take me out and teach me, show me the ropes of how to do this hunting thing. Oh, I've never yeah, we're gonna we're gonna uh, we're gonna have him come out for a bear hunt. Um, Hell and yeah. just like uh, yeah, and just like see what it's all about, and see if that's something he like. He wants to do more of you because like bear hunts, uh, like I said, one of my good buddies is a houndsman and it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty intense and a lot of action. Yeah. And, and like Nick's just built to, to move through the woods all nimbly. Well, yes, I am. I I am nothing if not ultra nimble. I can't even say it without laughing. (laughs) (laughs) You give him the spear on the ground, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I'd totally be down to do to spear a bear. Fuck yeah, Joey will be up in but the tree that... stand making sure you stay stay safe, bud. Yes, yeah, yeah. Joey on Overwatch for what I inevitably screw it up. But you'll keep the bear I'm busy exa- for a while if he gets you at least. That, that uh, that's how I'll paint. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They're gonna go after you before they go after me. But. uh but if, uh, yeah, that's like that's my way of uh, paying paying them back because I'm going to be shouting them a whole bunch, trying to expand, uh, get some more things under my belt other than knives. That's awesome, dude. That's super awesome. I'm- well, it's it's like just just like I I feel like show like having somebody come out and forge their first knife with you, like watching somebody do their uh, anything for the first time, like. It can be rewarding, like, like it'd be sweet. I I love bringing guys out hunting for the first time, yeah. Because, because uh, it it definitely gets your blood pumping. Like well, uh, if you I were brought here, couple... I'd say get me out, but you're not here, so that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Well, you live, man. You're a man, Toby. You should be. Yeah. Like, there's, there's lots of people nice here I can go with, but yeah, if you were here, I'd say let's go. But yeah. oh, for sure, I'd be. I'd always. Be, I'm always down for that, but. uh uh, I also want to get Nick out uh, waterfowl hunting. It'd be yeah. sweet. Yeah, why the hell not? Because that's also a lot of action, and uh, that gets your blood pumping. Like when you For got sure. like 30 geese dumping into the field like 10 yards away from you. Like it's sweet. Yeah, uh, yourself and uh, Dan are going to get me schooled up on how to do that. Yes, yeah, for sure. Like he's... Uh, uh, I'm hoping he doubles down with me and we just are out as much as we can. But, uh, but yeah, and, and honestly, I think that's another reason I, I got into to knife making, like bring it back to, to knife making is uh, like just hunting so much. Like you really appreciate, like for me, like uh, I, I appreciate using like a knife I made, um, like while I'm hunting and, and like, uh, like Nick said, like I started hunting when I was like broke. Um, so I was using like 
the equivalent of like a hunt shield, like or like uh like <laughs> your like gas station knives where like oh, I no. had no clue. Yeah, I had no clue if it was a good knife or not, but it's what oh, I Oh come on. When we were kids, everybody's bought a couple of real shitty knives. Oh, absolutely. And like for me, I I had no clue it was a shitty knife. I just thought like it looked cool. You get the Rambo knife with the hollow handle, and the first time you try to use it for something, it breaks yeah. in half. Yeah, they sound they sound like you're like tapping on glass. Yep, <laughs> like when you tap when you tap on the blade. Straight up Chineseum. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, I swear to God, the when I had a knife and the blade was aluminum. Oh yeah, I can believe that. <laughs> it might I, well have been. You never I, know. And it, the style that you're talking about, it was like that, like Rambo style with the hollow handle. Had a compass it on it. It was and it was army green. I swear to God, the entire yeah. fucking thing was aluminum. But my my, uh, my buddy was messing around with one of those like uh, Pakistani Damascus like gas station knives, um, and. Uh, he was hacking at something, just like messing around with it, and it split, like at the blade, like at the <laughs> it, it was, it was insane. It was like it just like opened completely up. Wow. Well, I mean, could see, at like, least mul- it was in fact actually pattern welded. A lot of those are just like chemical edge. Etched. They've got a template. Yeah. They stick on it and spray it with acid, and there you go. It's Damascus now. It's, I yeah. and. And I wouldn't know until I start making knives. I wouldn't know the difference. But I've been to a couple of houses where they're like, Look, "Check out this Damascus chef's knife," and you're like, "I don't, I don't have the heart to tell." Yeah, somebody. it's just like that's a really nice knife. Not yeah. smile. Quickly change the subject. Yeah, but uh, well, apparently, like in the in uh, like some of the eastern countries where they're making like Damascus. Um, they're they're like they're just like shearing sh- like strips off of like the side of like a whatever like they a car can, door yep. yeah like car car can. door is a big one yeah yep. um, um barrels oil barrels yeah. is another oil, big oil one drums, yeah. yeah oil yeah. drums yeah and, um and wa- it, washer washer panels yep. and stuff like that fridge door panels yep. that kind of shit scrap metal. And you can't, you can't, you can't fault anybody for it because that's what you got access to. But uh, well, and they're trying to make doesn't. a living. Right? Yeah, it doesn't oh, definitely, no. de- definitely doesn't hold up too well to the to the antler chop. But uh, but like that being said, like damn it, some of those gas station knives are some real pretty knives. Yeah, like as far as they, uh, they can look nice, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's for some, sure. There's yeah. some aesthetic qualities to them, like as long as you're not looking too hard, especially. Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I'm the kind of guy I pick up a knife, and the first thing I do is uh, I look at the plunge lines. Like, yeah. that's kind of like my first place I go, and if the plunge lines are uneven, right, like real out of whack, it's like, hmm, warning. It's probably Lando not the greatest knife ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you saw me, Joey, looking over one of your knives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, he's like, he's like, bring in a knife and show me. And I was like, uh, I was, <laughs> no. and, and once I got to know Nick, I was like, 
Yeah, I'll 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 show you all my knives and have you rip me apart for about ten minutes. But he was actually, he was actually pre- he was pre- he was pretty gentle. Uh, I I it definitely wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But uh, I want to be encouraging. <laughs> yes, you know. It's but like, I was like, oh. I I looked at your knives and I was like, okay, there are little things that you can see here, but this is a handmade knife. And for somebody yeah. who's only been at it three or four years, you're doing some really great work. Uh, and well, another thing, and like I've talked to you about, Nick, like I've kind of sh- struggled with the idea of, but like uh, I've never used a jig, um, like a bevel jig. Like I, I've always, I started doing freehand, and I still do freehand, and uh, like there's always going to be little bits of discrepancies just cause I'm not using a jig. Um, yeah. And I mean, um, again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like yeah. none of the stuff that I was looking at on your knives would impede their functionality or strength or usability yeah. at all. It's no, only no, no aesthetics. Right. Yeah. And it's the yeah, weird and- kind of nitpicky shit that my dad sort of like drilled into me to be like all over on my own work just because he comes from that machining background. And I, well, I, I find with freehanding, if, if I'm in a period of time where like, I'm really spending a lot of time in the shop every day for, for a month or two, like I can get pretty close to, to like what it would look like with somebody experienced using a, like a bevel jig. But, uh, I definitely, I definitely question whether I should start using a bevel jig. If I go back to the shop after not doing it for a month or two, uh, yeah, it's because you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a perishable you're, skill. It really is. And your right hand and your left hand, it is crazy how much different it is from left to right in the feel. Um, and that's where like, I find since I'm right-handed, the left side of the blade, if it was blade down the side that I'm grinding, holding it with my right hand, it's so much easier to get like a nice smooth bevel than if I switched my left, like I'll, I'll, I'll do the one side. I'll be like, Oh man, I just like nailed that at like out of, out of the park. And then I go to my left side and I'm just like, oh no, like, oh no, like, <laughs> yeah, like, do Bro. not fall apart now. Um, so then it takes a lot more bandwidth. Uh, I have to concentrate a lot more when I'm, when I'm holding it with my left hand. But, uh, but like you said, it's a perishable skill. And like, uh, I, I find, um, like I have, played around with a jig i just never decided to use it but uh i uh i i just found it more enjoyable i guess to do it freehand it's not as as clean or as pretty but uh i found it more enjoyable than uh than using a jig but, oh, yeah. uh, like, that being but that being said jigs are like the way to go for super like you said clean symmetrical plunge oh, lines yeah. I, I am way too OCD to do much freehand grinding. Like, yeah, I can do it. You know, I I have done it before. There's been lots of times where it's like 
jigging a knife up in a certain way or jigging a tool in a way is not going to really be practical. But uh, I, I definitely prefer using jigs, having everything like blued and scribed and laid out. So I've got hard lines to follow, you know, but that's just the style of work I do. And that's understandable when you're making uh, like a super high end, like chisel or whatever, where like you said, like they got to be like, like bevel, bevel angle and like, uh, like the thickness yeah, of the material and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I, I give myself 10 thou, you know, like it, but it's gotta be, you know, 10 thou either direction is, is like the absolute maximum. I'm going to let something kind of wander before it's like, okay, we're, we're taking this down a size. And to me as a knife maker of four years, I, like ten thou, I'm just like, oh man, like, like that's so far out of my uh, vocabulary well, as far as knife be, making. Right? Like, there is a lot. This is another thing. There's a lot more wiggle room on a knife. Um, yes. You know, like if your edge is, you know, like a couple of degrees off center, it is not going to impede the function of the knife at all. If you weren't that, ever like looking at it like just super closely, you'd never even notice it, and you certainly would never notice it in use. Yeah. You know, and there that's is where I, that, a kind of like there's a there's a box where you know I this kind swear of swear to God, matters. this knife cuts better on one side yeah. of the tomato than the, than other. the other. Swear to yeah. God, <laughs> that that was one thing that I was like when I was saying when I started making some chef knife for some actual chefs. I uh like that's something that I was like really that really made it a lot more pressure, right? It's cuz like they probably aren't going to notice that, but if somebody's going to notice that, they're it's going to be a professional a professional chef. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I I definitely like uh was like checking my like edge after like every single pass just to, to make sure I, I wasn't getting off, like, off track. Yeah. I mean, the guys who do chef's knives on, like, the regular basis, that's a – it's kind of a different skill set, right? You need to be able to grind much more accurately. Things like angles matter a lot more in chef's knives, right? Whereas, yeah. you know, you don't need to make a chef's knife bulletproof and unbreakable like a lot of them are actually quite delicate mm-hmm. you see yes. the videos of the guys i've seen a lot of videos lately where the guys are like look how thin this is and they run, run the blade over a bar or whatever and you can see the blade dent as they run it over the bar and it goes back to form after they you know run it over the bar to show that denting but it just goes to show how thin you're taking that blade yeah and, and that and that and that's stressful as well like the thinner yeah. you get, like oh god, yeah, yeah. imagine a lot Especially, of treat grinding too. Yes, yeah. and that grinding is it. You got to be so much like gentler with it because, like, you can ruin your temper so fast on it. Oh, yeah, like that. yeah, when it's getting real thin like that, like, 
like you're 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 cooling it after every pass, but like just putting too much pressure on one pass can ruin your your temper. Like, oh yeah, that's you, why you'll see a lot of those guys using like sprayed coolant when they're doing yeah, the grinds yeah. and stuff. Are you doing? Uh, are you doing a lot of your hand? Do you do a lot of hand grinding, or are you finishing most of your blades on the belt, or what do you? Where are you going to? With uh, that? You, how I, big I, of I the do, hand sanding does Joey go? Yeah, I do. Uh, I'll do it on. Uh, I do do some some hand sanding for sure, uh, but like not not as nearly as much as some a lot of the, some other or some other knife makers because. Like, like I said, I'm not going for that mirror finish. So yeah. I, I, I tend to do it on the belt to, to uh, 400 usually. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll, I'll go in and hand sand. Uh, but like I'll hand sand probably a fraction of what some guys do enough that it, you get that clean look unless they're really going for a, a rustic look. Um, that's usually where I'll leave it. Um, yeah, but I mean, but, most uh, knives four six hundred grit. That's a perfectly that's acceptable finish. Totally, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Uh, and about- I, yeah, good. I've I've used some I've used some Scotch bright belts, and I've used some of those Velcro back belts. The Velcro back belts I really like, but they don't last very long. Um, okay, like I used, uh, they just don't last very long. But a four hundred grit. With the Velcro back, I love for my like my last belt for that knife on the grinder because since it's got that Velcro like that soft backing to it, it really like gives you like a really nice clean, uh, clean look. Mm-hmm. Like there's it there's a lot less uh, uh, I guess uh, imperfections with that. Yeah, but you're only getting. Go ahead. I was gonna say you're only you're only getting a couple a couple knives out of a belt like that because it's just uh, once it starts getting hot it 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 destroys itself. Yeah, you know the Scotch Bright belt and and the Velcro back kind of like soft back abrasives and stuff. They'll also hide a multitude of sins. Like you they can, can yes, really yeah, sure. like you know if you got like a little wiggle in a grind line or something like. That'll blend they that out, it. and you'll never see it. Yep. Those aren't the sins I need to hide, bud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like... Do uh, any, do you ever do any forced patinas? Oh, I have, yeah. Yeah, I've... Uh, uh, in my early days, I, like, watched a video on, like, mustard patinas. Yeah, I got like, yeah. oh, I got I to try that. Uh, but all four, I have done some forced patinas with some like, uh, like hot vinegar or whatever. Just, uh, oh, that's and like, I, hot vinegar, eh? yeah, like, like I've, I've, I've taken like hot vinegar, put it like soaked kind of a, a rag in it and then just wrap the rag around the blade of the knife. I wanted to force patina and oh. you get a pretty, you get a pretty dark, uh, uh, like uh patina just because because obviously it's acid but yeah. i'm not it's, it's like not that's quite just as dark as like ferrochloride but it's uh no no yeah yeah and like oh, like that's that that's what i'll typically use that's what i etch in is ferrochloride um and then like most guys 
I'll do my initial estrogen ferret chloride. And I tend to etch a little bit longer than probably most guys do. Like I, I I'll do it till you can really feel a difference in the two, nice. two layers of metal. I think that's how um, it should be done personally, but anyways, sorry. It, yeah. And, and that's just, and honestly, I, I started doing that by mistake. I like lost track of time and I left a knife in the acid for longer than I normally would have. And I was just like, Oh shit. Like I gotta, like, I was like, I probably ruined it. And I pulled it out and I had left it in just long enough that I could really feel the difference between it. And I was just like, Oh man, I like that. And then yeah. I, I did just, yeah. I did it. I, and I did destructive testing on it. Cause like in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know if the acid really would have affected the blade or, or anything like that. And like did some destructive testing and it was like perfect. And I was like, I'm going to keep doing that. And then I've had some people comment and be like, like you can really feel the difference. Um, but yeah, I'll do my initial and ferric chloride and then I'll clean it up and then, uh, I I'll do it in, in instant coffee just to get it that little bit more black. Yeah. You get a bit better contrast. Yeah. I've just had too many problems with the instant coffee. Like I've tried a couple different brands, but I always end up with yellowing on my blade. I just, I don't like it. So I, I have had that. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and I have gun done some gun bluing on knives as well. Some like tactical knives in the big, the beginning, like my first year. Um, and gun bluings, like that's awesome. It's it's fast. Yeah. Is it and, not not food safe or something? Right. Um. Uh, once uh, it's cleaned off, it's fine. Yeah. 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 It's just. And I that's, mean, the thing, the thing with it is, it's just like you're just building up th- another oxide layer. Yeah. Right, and that will wear off eventually if you're doing things like using it on food. Yeah. 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 Right, especially yeah. anything that's high acid. Scratches and stuff. Yeah. 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 And, you know. and I'll, I'll f- like I've forced patina some kitchen knives. Like if I'm doing just uh, um. 1084 or kitchen knife or whatever. Um, unless they really want like a shiny clean one, I'll, I'll, I'll do like a, a bit of a forced patina just, uh, um, just to accelerate that process. Right. Cause like people who use carbon steel knives in the kitchen know that like over time they'll become more uh, rust resistant just from the patina. Just oh, easier really? to care for, I guess. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. basically what happens is is that as the patina, which is just oxide, it, yeah. it's essentially, it's magnetite. It's yep. iron four oxide that builds up over the blade. But as you oil it, the, the magnetite, the iron oxide has got, it's more capacity to hold oil. Okay. Right? So it'll actually help inhibit rust more. Interesting. Right. As long as you're properly maintaining it and kind of taking care of that patina, it'll actually make your knife more rust resistant. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. I have, I I, I still use the second kitchen knife I ever made uh, as my primary kitchen knife. And uh, it's at the point now where like you could leave it in the sink uh, with some like droplets on it and it, unless you leave it there all day, like 
it's it's pretty rust resistant <laughs> especially compared to what it was years ago but like it's not the prettiest looking knife it they it is patinaed it looks i i refer to it as i like patina look though i like the way that looks yeah i love it and, and you i compare it to gangs new york was it bill the butcher he's uh the villain yep. of a uh, gangs in new york but he has these old he uses these two old school like bulls no or bull nose butcher knives but they're just patina they look like they're 100 years old and i compare my kitchen knife to like build a butchers because it's like it looks like something out of an old western movie because it's it's been used mm-hmm. so much cut so much like like acidic uh vegetables and then meat that uh now it's 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 perfect as far as taking care of it. Hmm. Interesting. Very cool, dude. A lot of uh, a lot of information in this that uh, kind of is new to me, which is super awesome. And episode ninety one. No, actually, this is going to be episode ninety two, dude. And we're freaking still learning things. I'm loving it. We're oh, freaking documenting blacksmithing history we're learning things we're you know keeping the community for forging friendships as uh, victoria patty would say that's yeah that's i'm following the footsteps of victoria man i don't know if you remember her uh podcast uh, blacksmither radio but she was something like 150 episodes deep when she decided to pull the plug on her podcasting venture and Shortly after I started this up in, in lieu of not having her show to listen to anymore and me wanting to learn more about blacksmithing and get more blacksmithing documented in history. So here we go. Well, I'm glad like, uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Cause, uh, like, uh, like, like I was discussing with Nick, but I was like, I'm, I'm four years into like being a self-taught, uh, knife maker. So I was like, I hope. I hope I can uh, bring some sort of flavor to the podcast. Oh, dude, this uh, has been a great chat. I have, excellent, yeah. You're super good, dude. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate uh, Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was, it was an awesome conversation. Yeah, Nick is his typical encyclopedia self. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my normal whack yeah. wealth of UFI right here. Yeah, yeah he well I say that I say that because he was like trying to explain like a ton of metallurgy to me and yeah. it was like <laughs> Yeah, we we, yeah, we tried doing could, a little bit of like time temperature curves retained austenite stuff and he 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 went to what he calls screensaver mode and I was like, All right, we've gone too far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, as long as I, uh, as long as, as long as I know temperatures and times, I'm good. Yeah, like yeah, as yeah. far as like a knife maker, but, uh, but no, it is interesting. Cause, uh, I am, I'm not that person. I don't know metallurgy. At barely. That's all. all right, man. You don't need but, to know it to make a good knife. All you need to do is have a solid process and you clearly yeah. do because you've gone and done the rigorous testing on it. 
One last plug, man. If you feel like you want to up your knowledge on the heat treating, go pick up Knife Engineering, a book by Dr. Laren Thomas. You can head over to maritimeknifesupply.ca and pick up that book. Lawrence has got that in stock. So, Yeah, I I would definitely benefit from something like that. Cool. Um, Because I'm still learning as much as I was four years ago, so. And I don't, I didn't bring this up last episode. I, I've, I apologize greatly to uh, my, our friend Mark, but um, for anybody that uh, is interested in helping out, Mark Vanderwerf is trying to raise money right now to help out his wife. She's in need of life saving treatments. Um, These are um, rather, um, new a new style of treatment that she'll be undergoing so it's very costly and he's scrambling to try to raise as much funds as he possibly can to try to save his wife's life so if you have any means of helping him out he has a gofundme you can head over to uh, 119 blades that's mark vanderwerf and uh give him a hand um i know there's some people that are doing waffles maybe selling off a, a blade and then donating the the proceeds towards mark that's a, that's an option that people have as well uh so y- you know me if uh if i if i can help somebody out i do i do what i can man so um please take that opportunity if you can to help somebody out it's uh it, it, it goes around it goes around in this world you know we we help each other out and uh it, it just enables us it enables that person to be able to help out the next person and it just it, it all it comes full circle we we help each other out and you know that's it creates good it creates a good environment that's all you can do be a good person and create a good good world around us for our children right yeah for sure. And on that note, <laughs> good day. Good day, sir. And now for Nick's signature closing. You don't. You don't even need to add the music in when you got me. I'll just do it for you. I'll I'll re-edit that so it all aligns properly. <laughs> That'll be awesome. <laughs> all right, man. Yeah. yeah. No, Joey. Thanks very much uh, once again, dude. It was a great chat with you, man. Learned lots of stuff and make yeah. talking about this these knife conversations, man. You guys, all look, look where I'm going. I'm gonna go take a take a class with uh, good old Rainy Day Forge soon. Yeah, man. Well, Look what you did to me, Nick. What? Make a bladesmith out oh, of yeah. yet. That's uh well yeah, that's something I'm excited to have time for. It's just to be able to to kind of go from place to place, like maybe one place a year and just learn from some of these old like old timers or guys who've been doing it for a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. You, hey, you some know amazing guys in your area too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um VAC and Sisip either or we'll cover abs courses yeah you're telling me that which is something yeah. oh, wow that so I, I need to what about a I, courses 
Maybe. That one specifically, I haven't known. Like, I've, I know someone who has specifically gotten the ABS courses covered. I, right. I'm going to, I'm going to walk that fine line, uh, as careful as I can, like with try, I'm probably going to try and do something like what you're doing where I'm not pumping out a ton of volume, but I'm just doing like, Oh yeah. Just ones just, that I like to do just, yeah. Just so I'm not me- messing up my uh, pension, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's not really worth it to me to make money. You know, well, like, there's yeah. there, there's a, a point to that, and I totally understand what you guys are saying. There's a point to that to where you get to where it's either you do or you don't, and if you're gonna do it, you fucking really do it. Oh yeah, you no, gotta go. There's no like in between. You might as well. Yeah, yeah. This is and, and an Nick, advantage that we've got is that like we're gonna be yeah. financially stable, and that gives us the opportunity to sort of experiment, do stuff, learn stuff. That's what you get for serving and, your country, dude. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and, and getting clothes. ultimately broken. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Just living with crush and depression. Yeah. Um, I progressively got a bit more high during this, so <laughs> like I didn't even notice. Uh, yeah, like you right now, I'm like beforehand or something. Yeah, like oil. Oh, but, uh, and it's just kicking in as you're going. <laughs> Is yeah. that why you're saying you've got to go soon? It's like oh, I'm too high for no. this conversation. <laughs> no, my wife's like right, right on the couch, like not right near me, and uh, I could see her fading away. Her and my dog are crashing over there, but uh, um, but yeah, I was like, I'm gonna definitely be friendly or more talkative if i'm freaking like lubed up with some oil so uh <laughs> so i i took a little bit but uh near the end i was like whoa man this is this is hit me oh, you came but, across uh, as a friendly gentleman to me man yeah I, I just tend to like well nick knows i tend to have like a pretty uh well nobody can see my face which is helpful because i tend to have like the male equivalent of a resting bitch face because i have no no real expression when i'm sober yeah, but uh, well, you've been smiling but, like you've been smiling a whole bunch this whole time, bud. Oh yeah, for yeah sure. it was actually really good but, to see you loosened up a little bit, bud. I think we may have oh, made yeah. you laugh a, a few times too. I could be wrong. There was but, one oh, and Nick knows that, that doesn't. Ha- Nick knows that doesn't happen a lot. No, uh, not my really. dick jokes make everybody laugh, buddy. I, I yeah. know how to make people laugh. Well, enough. it also helps. I I just I I picked up a new ATV today, and like I oh, took it for like a fifty clock. I took it for like a 50 kilometer rip before I came here. Fuck um, yeah, bud. Except yeah, for yeah. Rip, so eh? Yeah. Oh, so, for sure. so that kind of put me in a good mood. But, uh, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Like, uh, it was good. But yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I wasn't a total train wreck. No, dude. <laughs> oh, you were great, dude. We've, we, we've had train wreck podcasts. Not very That's many, but they've, we've yeah. had them. And th- this was Leave not that to one me. Of them. Leave that to me. Yeah. I, I take care of that. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm excited uh, right, for well, you uh, to go work with Nick, man. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I'm I'm excited because uh, well, he knows I only got one speed. Like I like full out or nothing. Um, yeah, right. And he, him, and I move at very different speeds, and I feel yeah. like I'm gonna. I'm going to benefit from his knowledge, but also from him just 
making like, me like dragging slow you down. a little bit slow yeah. the fuck no, down. Dude, dude, that is that it, learning how to work in somebody else's environment and at their pace. It's half of the reason I'm super excited to go work with Justin too. Yeah. To work to see how he works in his environment and to try to pick up that vibe a little bit that might be yeah. different than what my vibe and and hopefully grow from it. It's that's huge, dude. Super huge. And I I think like um like I I pump out a lot of knives, but I think like with the whole vac making me like not be able to make any kind of real money and then with working with you and like learning how to slow down i think that's only gonna i'm gonna be making less knives but i feel like slowing down they're gonna be a lot higher quality prettier knives yeah you're gonna have time to sit there and focus on some of the details that were something that maybe you didn't spend the same kind of time on do it more like hand filing on guards and stuff like that like just like bit more ornate stuff but but all right i'll let you guys go because uh (laughs) yeah yeah you get to your life there sorry bud thanks again no no thank you guys